What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. It is myself and Greg Piatelli breaking down the NHL's plan to return. We don't have any specific dates yet, but we have the basic structure of what the 2014 playoff is going to look like, what the draft lottery is going to look like. Greg and I break it all down. We talk about some pros and cons to the teams that got buys into the round robin, the teams that have to do the playing round, a bunch of different stuff with hockey. And if you are new to a podcast with Greg, it's a long one. So we talk mainly about hockey, but then as we do, we jump into a couple other things. We talk some baseball. We talk the match two, Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning against Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. We end up talking a lot about Manny Ramirez towards the end of the show. This one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you guys think. As always, though, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search the bullpen card on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Be a part of the conversation. Join our Facebook group. Search the bullpen card podcast on Facebook. And like I said, be a part of the conversation. Submit fan questions, answer polls, all that good stuff. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG is the handle there, Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. But again, enjoy this week's episode, guys. We cannot wait to hear what you guys think. I think we are close to getting hockey back. And here we go. And we are live welcome to this episode of the podcast we are talking some hockey it is myself the g-man jordy cannell joining me for the first time since the quarantine began the man the myth the legend himself mr greg piatelli how are you my friend jordy doing well um i'm happy that uh, the podcast survived without me thrived i should say uh and for those who haven't heard the the real sports you and emily did a or sorry you and third and girl did a great job breaking down you can edit that later did a great job breaking down the mj docs uh unfortunately you chose a lot of 30 for 30s that no one else could watch unless you had a subscription so uh there's that however the mls or the mls the uh soccer or football pod that the was the last on the feed before this one was amazing. So, um, again, I'm happy that the, the podcast survived. I mean, thrived without me. Yeah. I've, uh, well, we've missed you and gotten some good feedback on the Ryan white one. I had no idea what to think going in. Cause I like, I got some questions from some friends of like what to ask. And apparently I only asked one of them. I thought I asked a lot more of what they had, but I was really nervous cause I felt like I knew nothing. So I just kept asking Ryan questions and it kind of turned into a good interview and, so if you haven't listened to that and you're interested in learning about soccer, uh, go yeah, check it out because I knew nothing. Yeah, and they, they they say that if you like any American sports, that the EPL or, or European soccer is definitely something that people in America would love and get into if they just gave it a shot. Big egos, lots of money, what's not to love? And you can gamble on it. Won some money the other day. Bayern Munich, That's- baby. Woo! I mean, that's uh, that sounds like you to a T if you're asking oh, yeah. me. But uh, anyway, Jordy, the real reason why I'm pumped and ecstatic and excited and off the rails is uh, although a little disappointed because, but I'm excited. The Bruins 
the NHL, the Stanley Cup is back. The playoffs are happening. The disappointment comes from the fact that if the season had ended, the Bruins would have been Stanley Cup champs flat out right. Now they just have to work a little harder to get it. Uh, and they will get it, knock on wood. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm pumped for the playoffs. Yeah, so, like Greg mentioned, the reason we're here is because the NHL made the formal announcement after the Players Association voted on it this past Friday that the playoffs are going to happen. The 24-team format that got thrown around is officially what they're taking. The top four seeds from each conference, so not the top two two out of each division, but the top four, are automatically into the first round, and the other eight teams... So 5 through 12, seeded by points percentage, not total points. There is a distinction. There are some seedings that got flip-flopped because of that. We'll play in a play-in out, a play in round, uh, a best-of-five series. They will then go on into the first round, so the final 16 like we're all traditionally used to. They have not determined whether or not they'll reseed or if they'll just do a full-on bracket. Uh, this is for both going into the first round and then between the first and second round. And part of that comes from the fact that the four teams in each conference that got a bye, so in the East it's the Bruins, the Lightning, the Capitals, and the Flyers, are going to play a round-robin tournament. And they did not clarify whether or not the round-robin, which they said was for reseeding, would add to your points percentage or supersede it, which I hope it's the former because, to give your Bruins credit, they were miles ahead of the Lightning Capitals and Flyers. And it would be kind of dumb if they went 0-3 and one of the other teams goes 3-0 and and the Bruins don't get the one seed because it would just be based on that record. But um, round one and round two, so the final eight from each conference, or final 16 and final eight, may or may not be a best of seven or best of five. They have to determine that. Um, so that's where we're at right now. But there was some announcements surrounding the lottery surrounding a number of different things and it's in a number of different phases uh it sounds like that it's no sooner than middle than the middle of uh, july all these j words that are normally january is what i kept wanting to say normally associated with hockey we're now looking at july i'm pretty excited for it greg what are your uh what are your thoughts on everything that we got yesterday afternoon yeah i mean honestly i'm just excited that we heard from any commissioner um it happened to be one of the worst ones, but we did hear from one of them. So that's a, uh, that's a big plus and Twitter when they first announced that, you know, the Gary Benton was going to talk went wild and everyone was freaking out. And, um, I think they answered all the questions, right? They said, okay, all these, these quote unquote bubble teams, still will have a shot. All these quote-unquote bubble teams will be in the playoffs, at least a version of the playoffs, and have, you know, because there was, what, 20 games left? um, Uh, About 10 to 13, depending on which team you're talking to. Right, so 13 games, a lot could happen, but for the most part, like, example, Detroit Red Wings, they were out, they were out, right? So there there was a... There are some teams that probably didn't deserve to make it, uh, and they did not make it. You know, Ottawa Senators, Red Wings, blah, blah, blah. So um, in that regard, I think it is – it worked out, and, and the lottery system um, should help teams like the Red Wings and Senators. And 
and hopefully they do. Uh, it stinks that we don't get Jack Eichel uh, in the playoffs and some other stars missed, but um, maybe he's with the Sabres, but maybe um, be better. But yeah, I, I, I was excited because, like I said, the first commissioner we heard from a first concrete plan, we've heard rumors of baseball playing only in Arizona. We've heard rumors of, you know, july or august we've heard the nba we've heard everything and anything uh and now we have someone came out with a concrete plan here's what we're gonna do uh have they given a date yet no but that's at least we have a plan and hockey will be played before the end of 2019 or 2020 yeah that's a really good point too because gary bettman and the nhl in general was very quiet throughout all of this because like you mentioned there was a ton of rumors for what baseball was going to do there's been a thousand things thrown around about what the nba might do and even more came out yesterday including their world cup idea for their way of trying to solve the playoffs because they had way more of their season left over um the nhl was thrown around about whether or not they play in north dakota or different ideas that did get get uh realized some form of fruition in what the commissioner referred to as hub cities and they're going to be two of them, one for the Eastern Conference teams and one for the Western Conference teams. He threw out a, a pool of a number of different cities, including some that, that are hotbeds. So I feel like we can almost rule those out. But he threw them out because they are they have the infrastructure to do it, like Chicago or L.A. or Toronto. Um, I feel like two Western cities are probably more likely of what they are, just given the the heat map, if you will, of, of where a lot of the cases are. And, and obviously, safety is number one. That was thrown out a lot in that press conference that Gary Bettman recorded. Um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about the hub cities idea? Do you think two is the right number? Do you think they should have done more of them or just do one? What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, it'll help because you eliminate travel. It'll help, you know, you eliminate the, the cross, whatever, getting on a plane, getting off a plane, um, going through airports, all that stuff, staying in one area, localizing it. Um, having all the players stay in a, the same hotel so they're exposed only to each other and blah, blah, blah. Um, but again, the issue becomes, like you're saying, if they choose one of these hub, quote-unquote hub cities, let's say a bunch of hockey players in one room go out together, you know, go to a bar, something's bound to happen. They're definitely going to be touching stuff and, and all of a sudden – one player gets one case they're all living together the entire league has 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 coronavirus so um you know to me it 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 seems like i don't know to me it seems like damn if you do damn if you don't you know you want them to be safe you want them to sort of keep it isolated in in one area but um you have to make sure that the players are know that they're there for one reason and one reason only and if they're going to go out they're going to party then don't come i guess is the right way to put it but um yeah i I just don't foresee you know the bruins having or you know let's say st louis having to fly to calgary and winnipeg and colorado and vancouver and then go to chicago you know it's good that they're sort of localized on the western side of this the country but again it's it's having to fly from city to city potentially bring whatever disease you may have or, or whatever disease that city has back to your own city um so i guess grand scheme of things being in one area it's probably safer but um you know you still fear that the players if one player gets it the entire league gets it if you're in one area so um 
again, damn if you do, damn if you don't. No, that's a really good point. Uh, that's kind of why I think it's going to be something in the West, whether on this side of the border or up in Canada, I think remains to be seen. I think, obviously, and they mentioned it too, that the border needs to be figured out between the U.S. and Canada, which I think hopefully this makes some sort of impact on that because that there was kind of a no, no, a word of no confidence from the U.S. government, and I don't want to make it sound political, but that's basically where it was. Yeah. Um, well, so so like Vancouver, for example, just hosted the Winter Olympics recently, so yes. they they have the infrastructure or the setup to to do it in theory. Yeah, it, but. Yeah, in theory they have it, and they were able to host however many teams played in that Olympic hockey tournament. They have multiple rinks, um, which I feel like, too, was something that was not clarified, which in that that reference of having multiple, whether it's an NHL team and minor league teams, which is probably why Chicago and Toronto, and Vancouver for that matter, get thrown out because they have an NHL team, an AHL team, and in some instances have ECHL teams there, too. So they have just sheets that they can throw teams onto, because of the fact that, especially even in the first round, where you have these best of five, you have four best of five series, and then this round robin tournament, you're either doing five games in one day, taking a day off for the other conference to go, or you can actually do it like the playoffs have been traditionally, where not everybody's playing in one night. You can have it so these are primetime games and all that good stuff. Um, so that's actually a really good point too. I didn't I didn't even think about that until just now of that a city like a Vancouver versus. I mean, there's plenty of ranks across Canada, so all those Canada, Canadian cities could be good at anyway because you could put it in, frankly, in like a peewee rank and just to make sure it's NHL-sized ice and, and you're good that way. Yeah. But, you know, and then you think of like a Boston and there's so many colleges and Division One mm-hmm. ranks within Boston, within, you know, you got BUBC, Northeastern, Harvard, just within walking distance of the TD garden. Um, and, and that's just to name a couple of the D one ring. And then you got Providence, which is a 45 minute drive. And that's where the minor league team is. And obviously Providence capitals and Brown Brown's down there as well. So, you know, there, there's so many college drinks that could be utilized as well um, within certain cities, but you know, Boston's a major hub, Vancouver, you know, like you said, some of these major hubs that might be able to host it also you come with, yeah, you come with the with the big risk. The, yeah, the virus. So that'll be interesting to see where. Um, but again, it's nice that we that they have a plan, and, and one league at least has announced some sort of plan. And I think every other um, every other sport now will be scrambling to to come up with something. But uh, Jordy, let's get into the the playoffs. Do we want to start with the top? four teams do you want to start with five through 12 how do you want to do this well let's talk about the round robins we can go we can go east and then west and then circle back around um so can i ask you a question before we the round robin and all that yeah absolutely so how did they determine did they throw out the conferences was it just x amount of points and you're in or they throw out the division sorry and they did it all right if you're the top 12 team in the conference you make it you know, because again, the Blackhawks were in the last in their division, but they're the twelfth team in in the conference, so they made it. Yeah, that's exactly how they did it. They just did it east and west, and seeded by points percentage. So in every game, you know, you get a maximum of two points. So take the number of games times two, and 
so the Bruins played 70 games, so that so you take the number of points that they had, which would have been uh, 88 plus 12, 100 points divided by 70. Uh, am I doing that math wrong? Uh, I might be. No, I'm not. I don't know how. I don't know how. Oh, 70 over 140. Uh, 100 over 140 ends up being the points percentage of 0.714 is what the Bruins had. So it's interesting that you ask that question, and I mentioned this at the top that over on the other side of things, that there are teams who played less games and have but also have less points and end up getting ranked higher than teams. One of one of such teams is the Dallas Stars, who played two less games than the Oilers, had the same number of wins, but because the Oil and but because they played less games, and the Oilers even had an extra point on top of Dallas, the Dallas Stars have a better points percentage of 0.594 to Edmonton's 0.85, whereas previously the, the Oilers were ahead of them in terms of, of raw points. So then how do you justify the Buffalo Sabres and Montreal Canadiens? So that's that's the exact same thing, yeah. is that Montreal has, they had three more points, but played two more games. And in theory, the Sabres could have won a game, had more points with one last game. They played 69 to Montreal 71 and Montreal is at even 500 on a points percentage, but because Buffalo is just a single game under 500 for a points percentage, they end up not getting there. So they could have been, they could have played 70 games, been 31, 31 and eight to Montreal's 31, 31 and nine. Montreal would have more points there in raw points, but Buffalo has a better points percentage. So Buffalo got a little screwed there where they could have snuck in and you have Eichel versus the Penguins Eichel versus Crosby and this interesting, you know, kind of two, we'll say half-step generations because they've crossed over for five years now, but um, that, that would have been interesting, yeah. And to go back into your point of seeding, another really interesting one comes from the Montreal, or the Montreal was in, we were just talking about them, from the Toronto Maple Leafs, who would have been the three seed in the Atlantic Division, slated to, pay, to play Tampa Bay, who ends up being the second highest of the the four teams that are in the round robin. Because the division structure is thrown out, remember, the third if you were third place in your division, you play second place. Because that structure is thrown out, they fall all the way down to eighth place in the Eastern Conference. And now a bunch of teams that were wild cards have hopscotched them, those being the Hurricanes and the Islanders. And now the Maple Leafs have to play the Blue Jackets, who... Granted, it were cold going into the coronavirus pause, but had a pretty good year and have had some pretty stellar goaltending with some questionable offense. So that actually becomes a very interesting first-round series. Yeah, and and I think the biggest point here, especially like Team of Columbus, and we can get into this specifically because Tampa Bay has it as well, but like the injuries that that uh, Columbus had in Tampa Bay, Stamkos – had if the players playoffs had started at normal time, you're talking about a Tempe Lightning team without Stamkos. Now you're talking about a Tempe Lightning team that had 92 points the regular season without Stamkos. Add him in, you know, everyone's healthy. Yep. There's been three months, whatever it is, off, and like all these players coming back. Granted, that you, you could do that throughout the league for any team, but you know, it's just a whole other factor that realistically the regular season is it's almost like a whole nother thing now, because like I said, they've had that three month period of, of 
recovery. They've had that three month period of exactly of healing, uh, if you will. So all these teams that, you know, again, are lower because of injuries or slow starts or whatever, they have the ability, you know, Pittsburgh, all these old guys, this, this, I was about this, to say, this, this the- format is geared for a team like Pittsburgh with their old guys and quote unquote injury prone Crosby and blah, blah, blah. There, this is prime for them. A short little period after three months off. Um, you, you, but anyway, back to, we'll get into that later. The, the main sure. point back to Buffalo getting screwed and, and Toronto being jumped and this and that. Uh, the system's imperfect, but I would, you know, it, it is what it is. It it's had better to be than nothing. Had, yeah, it had to be what it had to be. And, and Buffalo and New Jersey, because New Jersey had the same amount of points as Buffalo, um, same games, just more of a time losses. But um, you feel bad for those two teams because they did kind of, um, not that they would have made it in the top eight regardless because they were. They were so, so far, far out regardless. Yeah. yeah. Not they would have made it, and Montreal wouldn't have made it either. But you know, it's just in this format, you would have. There was a hope that they would have made it. So you feel for those two, two teams. But uh, so so four teams from the East so did I, not make it. Before we jump, before we jump into either the West or whatever point you had, I wanted to ask you this because we're we're on the topic of of formatting and whether or not this exposed something that I that I feel like I've been for this for i think as long as i've I've done the thunder thunder blog almost said the thunder cup but um do you think that this and montreal has 19 regulation wins so that the nhl went this year from the first tiebreaker being regulation plus overtime wins to just regulation wins they have 19 regulation wins buffalo and new jersey have 22 the senators who you mentioned we're pretty terrible this year, all things considered. Um, some value home plays, gambling, but otherwise pretty terrible. Had one last regulation win. The Rangers, who are a, a spot ahead of them and debatably could easily be a single-digit seed, have 31 regulation wins. Do you think that the NHL might see this? And if they're... I, I don't think the outrage machine could gain, garner enough traction to make this change, but do you think Gary Bettman might think about the possibility of going to a system of three points for winning in regulation, two points for winning in overtime and one point for losing in overtime or shootout, or am I just overthinking this? No, I mean, that's been the, that's been the idea the whole time. And um, I guess the, the, the larger question is a wins, a wins, a win. So, you know, three points versus two points is easier to win in, is it easier to win in regulation versus in overtime? Uh, I guess three on three, it does make it easier to, you know, three on three, it makes it easier to score in theory. So, or shoot out. So you're right. They should not get a full three points. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think there is something to be said about that. Um, regular season or regular time win a regular. Yeah. Regulation win. Yeah. Win in regulation is probably definitely harder than, than an overtime win uh, versus a, but that, but you know, you get into, let's say a team's down five, nothing after the first period, they throughout the next two periods end up tying the game with 30 seconds left five, five. Should they be punished by losing out a point? That's for, fair for, for a slow start. You know, that's, that's the only, that's the only counter argument I can think of right now, but I, I, I'm just doing that to play devil's advocate. I, I, I think I agree with your point. I, I like the idea of, of uh, 
mainly because the Bruins were 0-7 in shootouts this year. So, you know, selfishly, I'd like to see them get two points for all those shootout uh, losses because they were 0-7. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think I like the that I, general idea of, of two versus one. Um, well, and for those that don't know, the NHL even added the overtime loss point because they wanted to prevent ties. And they eventually added this because they wanted to incentivize teams to win in regulation because they, or originally Roe was added to win in overtime rather than in a shootout. And this was to incentivize winning in regulation because they don't, they don't value the shootout as much as they value the rest of the game in which a lot of fans, myself included, aren't big fans of it. And I'd rather see ties, but there, there is some sort of incentivize for them trying to get wins locked up by the, the better team. You're absolutely right that that there are teams like the Bruins who, if you crunch the numbers, which I'm trying to pull up a document that I did, I don't know if it's completely up to date to the pause, that they would have been, they're still exactly where they were supposed to be, but teams, like I mentioned the Rangers, they would have been a wild card team if uh, if you had the three points regulation and whatnot uh, and two for an overtime win. The Florida Panthers jump up to the three seed ahead of Toronto. Toronto falls down to it. The second wild card spot. Colorado would have been, I think, the first overall seed in the Western Conference instead of the second over to St. Louis. Everything else in the West ends up being the same. But it, it's a really interesting thought exercise to look at uh, in terms of or the even, math. Or, or even a modified one. So keep the the third, keep the three points for overtime win, but then just make a shootout two points. Oh, that's so a good call. Yeah, That way people, players will, you know, because sometimes you see them with 30 seconds left on a three-on-three three and they're just killing the clock behind the neck. Yeah, to, like, go, oh. to go to a shootout, yeah. Right, so so it's almost like incentivize them to to work even harder on the three on three and 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 go even more balls out and try and win three on three to get the three points for the overtime win and then make a shootout two two points versus one. So that's a good call. Um, I didn't even think of, of that modification because you're right. Once you get into overtime, what's the difference between if you know you have a David Pasternak, a Claude Giroux is a fairly good shooter shootout shooter, but um, TJ Oshie, yeah, or, if you're the Capitals, yeah. or or a guy, if you know you have a guy that's almost an automatic goal, why right. not just or, kill the clock with 45 seconds left? Right, or you know you're playing the Bruins for 0 and 7 in shootouts. Like, <laughs> let me just let me just hang out of the puck and get three points in a shootout, no problem. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, <laughs> or someone could skate over the puck. I mean, there's that there's that possibility too. Hey, you don't you don't go 0 and 7 without uh, falling in your face or the puck a couple times here. Yeah. Well, he didn't fall on his face. He just kicked it. Little little. Little tap, little toe tap. You know, Jordy. There's anyway. Um, are you <laughs> are you upset because the Flyers were nine and one, riding them a high momentum, and now they're not going to have it? So, so before we get into that, but my 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 last thing is four teams from the Eastern Conference didn't make it. Three teams from the Western Conference didn't make it. So those are the teams that are getting the lottery that you were talking about. Um, ping pong Technically. ball. So do you, do we want to do the lottery now? I was going to save that for the end. Oh yeah, we can save it. Okay. Um, but so yes, okay, go ahead. Let's hear it. All right. So the way the lottery works, Greg uh, alluded to it, but so there's seven teams that we know are not in the playoffs. So the way that the the lottery normally works, and it's the same in the NBA, that there's ping pong balls and all that sort of stuff, and a team can hop their way into a top three pick, um because there are eight teams that are going to be vying to try to vault themselves from being out of the playoffs or fighting for a playoff spot because there were, you know, 13 ish games left. They get their opportunity to try to prove they were worthy. 
like a New York Rangers who are also on a tear. You mentioned it with the Flyers. Rangers were doing really well. The Zibanejad game is like one of the last games before the the pause even happened. So it's you know it's not out of the realm of possibility to think he goes on a complete heater at the end of the season and maybe he's right in the conversation with Pasternak and, and Ovechkin for the uh, the the not the Art Ross for the um for the Richard Trophy. But um, back to the lottery. So what happens is they're going to do the lottery as normal, but the eight spots, what would be the eighth through 15th slots that normally the other teams that don't make the playoffs, they're just called slots A through H, and they have their regular odds that they normally would, like the Devils or the Rangers last year who ended up jumping all the way up to getting picks one and two. Um, They still have odds to potentially have their ping pong balls drawn. Those teams will not have been determined when the lottery happens. However, if a team that is team A through H gets drawn in the first, second, third, fourth pick, they then will do a second lottery where the eight teams who lose, regardless if they were the higher seed that lost, so potentially the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Edmonton Oilers, again, the Oilers who got screwed out of the fourth seed because of the points percentage thing, if they lose, they have equal odds as a Montreal Canadiens or the Chicago Blackhawks, the last two teams to get in. And like you mentioned, the Canadiens had less points than the Sabres, and the Sabres could have you know, easily, or they didn't, but they the Sabres could have gotten, vaulted themselves into that spot. They have the same odds. So if there is, if team, if team A, which would have been the eighth place team, team slated on you know no lottery, they would have gotten the eighth overall pick. If that if that ping pong ball gets drawn, there's a possibility that, and this is the worst case scenario because they had the highest points, that the Penguins end up could get the first overall pick, and the Penguins were three points beyond the Flyers and four points beyond the Capitals, and it was certainly not out of the realm of possibility for the Penguins to be the top seed in the Metropolitan Division, given no pause. So it is a, uh, I don't want to say imperfect because it's actually a very the math major in me kind of likes it and likes the ridiculous chaos, but there's that possibility that I'm dealing with uh, the Penguins continuing to get, I don't think there's a generational talent like they're like, you know, the last couple drafts, but getting a superstar player <laughs> if they get upset by the Canadians. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I mean, you would love that, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's not the math, not the Penguins getting a superstar player. <laughs> yes thank you for clarifying but no i think i think uh just like with the with the playoffs and finishing the season it's not a perfect season it's it's what they could do with what they have um i think the biggest issue still remains like not that detroit was tanking but they are a solid 25 plus points 20 whatever it is less they have let that that many points less than than the next than the number two team, two second worst team, and and for them to still have a chance to not get a top three pick, granted that would be crazy. Well, it's the same, lo- it's the same odds but... it would have been if they if the season had ended regularly, right? Uh, but you're adding all these teams now. You're right that that like uh, on the on those fringe teams because yeah. the East, you know, the East. Through the 11th seed was 78 points. So like the Florida Panthers had 78 points, and and the eighth seed had 81 points. So the East, you know, the top 11 teams are still very good. So 
like you said, there's a chance that, that a Pittsburgh or, or someone who's knocked out in the first round. Yeah. If there's an upset, that's like the, that's the, the doomsday scenario to really go, go over the top of this. Because if you're a Red Wings fan, again, it's the same odds it would have been. And the only reason why I'm clarifying with that is that there are teams who were losing the Buffalo Sabres to try to get Connor McDavid and ended up, they had to quote unquote settle for Jack Eichel. So, you know, world's smallest violin there, but you know, there there's, you know, it's the same odds there because that was institute. The, the odds the Sabres lost out on was, I think instituted like in 2010, maybe 10 years, 10 or nine years ago. Um, right. It's just the possibility that there is an upset and a team who is very good and has a ton of young talent. Like the Rangers are a lower seed and again, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could have hopscotched their way into this if they played their final 12 games. But they're a really young team with some really good talent. The Vancouver Canucks, who, if they get upset by the Minnesota Wild, which I don't think is likely, but it it's possible that they do. They have a super young team, a super talented team. They could, they could get a top three pick, get another young guy to just add to that core, and now they're set to be to continue to be a threat in the Pacific Division. So there's there's a lot of, of possibilities. And again, there has to be upsets, which some are more likely than others. Um, but you know, that that's the, 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 again, the doomsday scenario. Yeah. And I think the, the, whether it's real playoff hockey or not in the atmosphere, you know, the intensity probably will be there for, for some of these teams and some of these young teams that you're talking about that wouldn't have a, wouldn't have had a chance before, but now do to experience, you know, the high octane play, um, which again may not come because you don't have fans, adrenaline, all that. But you know, I feel like playoff hockey will still be playoff hockey to some regard, um, in some regard. But Jordy, let's get into a question that you know you. Do we want to go a specific matchup by matchup, or do we want to do general themes for now? Uh, just like the reseeding thing, the you know where where are we going next? Let's do general because I feel like we'll want to, and once we get an idea of when everything starts and news that we read through our various teams, camps, mini camps, whatever the word is going to be called for it, uh, we'll get a better idea with it all. Okay. Um, so, so let's do general. So, all right. So give me the top four breakdown. So there's there's twelve teams, right? So the math doesn't work out in terms of everyone one playing twelve. It doesn't really work out that way. So there's four teams. Top 12 teams in the East, top 12 teams in the West. Sorry, so it's just 12 teams. The top four teams in one division or one conference get a bye, correct? Correct. So it's, again, by points percentage. So regardless... Doesn't that give an, doesn't that give an unfair advantage to the teams that play in, in the quote-unquote playing round? So teams 5 through 12, wouldn't they have an unfair advantage because they would have played hockey and played a hockey game before, like... Again, let's say twelve and five. So, so yeah, yeah. what your Whatever. question is is, would it be unfair to the if it's a bracket? Would it be unfair to the Flyers that they play the winner of the Penguins and Canadians and they got to play a five game series, whereas the Flyers would have only played three games because they're doing a, a a round robin? Maybe I don't know. So, so so sorry. Explain the round robin. That's what I was trying to get you to do. Oh, okay. So we we talked about this at the top. The round robin. So the Bruins. Lightning, Capitals, and Flyers all get a quote-unquote buy, or a the way that they're referring to it is that they're in the first round. Five through five through twelve are playing in the qualifying round. The NHL using convoluted terms to name their rounds is not 
completely out of you know out of character. They did this for a very long time. Uh, the NCAA did this too, as an aside from March Madness for a number of years, calling the play in round the first round. Uh, but that's an aside. Um, so what it's basically what's happening is, yeah, I'm sorry. So the Bruins, Lightning, Capitals, and Flyers will each play each other. They'll play three games. And what they've worded, and I have not seen an official ruling on this, and I reference this at the top, is whether or not those three games are the only thing that matter for reseeding, which is a word they used, or do they add on to the current points percentages? So, again, I said this at the top, but the Bruins, who are miles ahead of the Lightning in terms of points, they... If they go 0-3, will they become the fourth seed? Or do they? does that 0-3 count against their points percentage? In which case, it wouldn't matter anyway. The Bruins would just be the one seed. But, but because I think it would be kind of bullshit if it's the opposite, where the Bruins go 0-3, the Lightning go 2-1, the Capitals go 2-1, and, and the Flyers go... I don't know how the math would work that way. They're two, one and two, or two and one. But the Bruins being the four seed, or even the thir- anything but the one seed, in my opinion, is kind of BS because they they earned it. They had such a good season. You mentioned their own seven in shootouts. They weren't very much better in overtime. They deserve to to get that. They had the the they had one of the best scorers in the league in Pasternak. They had a fantastic season. They're one of the best home teams in the NHL, which they. They are they already get to lose by being in a hub city. Um, if I mean, it, it would feel weird if that if they lost that. And the reason why I'm not using if any other team goes three and zero is because the Capitals, Lightning, and Flyers were all within a couple points of each other. So they would have likely, assuming they were the the other top three teams of the four, they would have been likely battling it out to see who ends up in what position. Anyway, the the Flyers and Capitals were trading the top seed in the Metro day-to-day through the last week before the pause. So, I mean, I, I just hope that it's adding points onto your percentage or percentage points onto the existing one and not the opposite. Yeah, and, and, and you know, like you said, you're definitely getting, quote-unquote, screwed as as a one, two, three, four seed because uh, maybe not a four seed, but the possibility of – you know, whoever it is, like you said, they worked hard enough to get that top spot, even the, the, the two spot for Tampa. Um, you know, you, you worked hard enough to get there and, and earn that home ice throughout, and you don't get that advantage. And then you turn around, and there's a possibility that, you know, the first four games back in this round robin are going to be sloppy, and the Bruins, you know, like you mentioned, they're not a good overtime team. So the games are zero, zero or two, two, because it's a sloppy, you know, they're not trying to get hurt for the first round. They're just, they're just doing this for seeding. So those, those games in the round Robin to me, aren't going to be as serious and aren't going to be as, as hard fought as, as, as those playing series. So that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. But sorry, we'll get back to that. But my point is that my point is that the, the, for a team like the Bruins, you know, let's say they, they have as a dog at whatever they lose an overtime game. All of a sudden they're, they're a four seed because they can't win a shootout because that play in there, that, that round Robin for those top four seeds, they're doing regular season overtime rules. You know, they're now a four seed and they have to play Pittsburgh 
or they have to play uh, whomever is 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 the four five seed six seed uh in round one versus playing the lowest seed or whoever that may be yeah so i think regardless and again they did not say whether or not they're going to reseed after the play-in round or not um i think though if they're regardless of what reseeding ends up happening within the round robin but especially if they do the this group play which is basically what it is it's like the world cup group play um if that's what's determining one through four which again i think is bullshit but if you're going to do it that way then you need to reseed out of the qualifying round so that if you know the rangers upset the hurricanes instead of playing the three seed whether that's the capitals or whoever ends up going one and two for all intents and purposes ends up playing the top seed whether that's the bruins or whoever ends up winning the group uh i i think that's paramount to anything else of just trying to make this more fair to those teams because i think you're right on a couple things one they're playing shootouts still so whether or not one night they're just like hey we're not feeling it or the goalie is is having type of a, a bit of a rough night which i think is is a really interesting question that we can come back to of the eight goalies that are of the eight teams that have buys are all very good goalies and what how how they're going to treat this in terms of a warm-up and versus treating camp how many goals we might see i i just think that it's it's more fair that if you're going to give an advantage to those teams because they lost home ice already. In theory, that's what they would have had, is they would have had a first-round home series. Uh, and it does work out that there's two teams from each division. The points just happen to work that way. Um, which, again, the, if the Oilers weren't screwed out of it, it would have... Or no, actually, it's three central teams. So it's... No, in the West, there's three central teams and one Pacific. But, um, yeah, I, I just think it's more it's more fair to try to reseed out of this because they're... There are advantages being lost more than trying to give advantages by giving a buy. Yeah, and that's the that's the frustrating part um, because you know I that that larger theme that you and I were going to talk about or this and that is those those four playing or those four round robin to determine seating. They're like again, Stamkos come back from injury. They're not trying to get hurt. Yeah. You know, they're in the first round, they're in the first round. So realistically, whoever, whoever you play reseeding or not, you know, you're, you're just, there's no real way of knowing who's going to win that five game series. So you don't necessarily want to, let's say there's no reseeding. You don't necessarily want to be a, the no, number one seed because then your first round is either Toronto or, or Columbus, Columbus yeah. versus you're, if you're the four seed, you have the opportunity to potentially play Montreal if they can beat Pittsburgh. So there, you know, it's rolling the dice, but would you rather, or even the three seed who gets to play uh, Carolina or the Rangers. And so it's like, for me, I think those teams, if you're a coach, you're just trying to get through those round robins. Yeah. Seating is important, but without home, home ice advantage, you're just trying to get through those round robins. So nobody gets hurt. Now, if yeah. they do open stadiums, if there if there is a home ice advantage, it's a whole different conversation. But if we're if we're playing this playoff, if we're having these playoffs in a located singular area, no home ice, blah blah blah. I'm just trying to play it so no one gets hurt. I'm trying to get my guys in game shape, and I'm playing all four lines regularly. I'm consistently playing. You know, you're not doing as much line matchup because this is a potential second round matchup for some of these teams. So exactly. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give them too much. 
and maybe you throw in your backup goalie for a game if they're back to back or whatever it may be. So to me that those, those, those top four teams on both sides are really at a disadvantage because in my opinion, because you, yeah, you get, it's like you're, you're playing exhibition or you're playing preseason while everyone else is playing week one. So you're already a week behind in terms of endurance, intensity of games, battle of a series you know you're not you're probably not hitting as much you're not checking as much because it's a again I'm, I'm sure all four teams are playing so they're not going to get hurt um and, and a preseason versus an actual regular season game so that's my only uh dislike about the the this nhl format is is like i said my opinion those those top four teams are at a disadvantage especially if there's no incentive for like if seating really doesn't matter that's home ice sorry if home ice doesn't matter there's no incentive for them to work that hard yeah that's a really good point and i think you mentioned you 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 mentioning the injuries is not completely out of their own possibilities you mentioned Stamkos, the capitals had a couple guys banged up james van reemsek was supposed to miss time into the playoffs and now comes back and he had missed a couple games, and now this is an opportunity for them to reacclimate him. But you you hit the nail on the head that if they're playing the Bruins, that's a possible second round series. If this is all hard bracketed, and they don't want to try to give away their hand, they, their last game was a loss against the Bruins, and they don't want to say like, oh, well, we didn't have JVR and we didn't have a couple other guys that were hurt. So here's that line of JVR, Kevin Hayes, and Travis Konechny, and here's how we're going to try to get them fit. And the Bruins. Bruins are all very good, mostly very good hockey players. They have a very smart coach, a very smart organization, and can prepare that that forward. So I'm sorry for repeating your point. Um, you're just getting my, my wheels spinning as a Flyers fan. But I don't know. I, I think there's something of, of even just how they spread out the games because the other game, the other series are all best of five. So God forbid that all of those series ends up being sweeps or four-game series are you going to do something where the third day of games and you're going to have these decide the seating are something where even if it's three of the four are decided and you kind of know who's facing whom and you can have something where if the Bruins don't want to face the the Penguins or they don't want to face the Maple Leafs, they want to face the, the Islanders instead or the Panthers or the Rangers or whomever. And they decide like, hey, we're just going to we're going to lose this la- this third game. There's that possibility, too. So there's. And granted, you could say, well, they wasted their opportunity to really fine tune the third line or the the second defensive pairing and the third defensive pairing, try to mix some things up. But there is some gamesmanship that could that could result from it if if, uh, you know, just how the schedule could could result. Oh, yeah. Big time gamesmanship. And that's the that's like you said, it's the spacing. It's the you know, that's the disadvantage of being in that top four spot. And, you, you know, you talked about how Edmonton quote unquote got screwed by being out of a top spot and having to play in a playing game, but very much so it could be to their advantage because they will have a series under their belt. Sure. Granted they have to play the Blackhawks who have all that Stanley cup experience, but that's Blackhawks of past, not Blackhawks of recent. So, you know, it's, it's, it's still a, you know, how you look at it, would you rather be playing in the playing round or would you rather be in a spot like the two of our teams are where we have the ability to be in the quote unquote playoffs already 
versus a plan. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head earlier that the Penguins are are an older team that have an advantage. Whereas to to flip it over to the Oilers, there's some there's some semblance of that team from 2017 that went on a run and and was the preseason of the 2018 season to be a, a the West champion and potentially a Cup champion. Um, but they have they have younger guys too. But I think you're right that both of them are in a very good spot, regardless of you think the age is a bet is is more appropriate or just being the you know a very talented team. I think they're both in a really good spot, regardless of if they end up getting hardwired into facing the stars and flyers respectively, or or regardless, you know, I mean, they obviously both have to go through championship experience in the in the Blackhawks and Carey Price in the in the Penguins, given that he ends up coming out of the gate strong, which I think is a really interesting conversation. I know I mentioned it with the top eight teams and their respective goalies, but there are some teams in there, especially towards the bottom of some of the seating, that have really good goalies. So I think it's really hard to try, and this is part of why I think we should wait until we get some some training camp under us to know what to expect of of these series is because if Carey Price has a good camp and comes out hot, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility to think the Penguins get stonewalled. And the same thing with like the Predators against the Arizona Coyotes. If Darcy Kemper has a really good good uh, training camp, and they're a team that likes to play very defensively anyway, so they may might be able to fall back into that quickly. First, the team that likes to go more run and gun or, you know, line line chemistry is something. And we didn't even talk about some of the teams that made moves at the trade deadline that were starting to get that chemistry going anyway. Is that going to come back like that? Like a Penguins made some moves, but like Carolina, who made a lot of aggressive plays, Tampa, who did, but they'll have some of the of that that um, group play to try to mess around with that. So it it really becomes an interesting conversation when it comes to some of that sort of stuff. Yeah, I don't disagree. And, and multiple points hit on hit on the head there but i think the you know the the goalie thing you know henrik lundquist you know he not doesn't want to say played himself out of the starting role but he had taken a reduced role this yeah. season and is he can he get himself up enough and and have the three months off to turn around and then hey i'm good to go here i can be win olympic gold lundquist you know, put me in and, and I'll carry you for a series or the Lundqvist of old. Yeah. Um, that'll appease some of the Ranger fans if we have any. And then we you did, turn around. We have a question from one. Nice. And you yeah. mentioned, you turn around and you mentioned the, um, the uh, Arizona Coyotes and, you know, they are a team that starts out hot every year and this year specifically. And the reason why they had a little, down swing in the middle is because both of their goalies got hurt and one of them came back early because the other one got hurt and was playing with an injury so now they both have the time to recover and 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 now an injury played net and a team that starts hot year after year now has that same uh, i don't know that's a really energy good or, or they're leaving camp with the same hot start that they would have had in the beginning of the season this year. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's a really good point. The other team I was going to say is the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs always start the season out far and away the greatest scoring team ever. It looks like they're going to set all sorts of records. And then in November, they just stop scoring. And they have ended up in the three seed the last couple of years in the, in the Atlantic Division. But they always end up in some middle seed in the Eastern Conference or for a while before they got Austin Matthews, not even in the playoffs. 
Um, so that, is that going to be a storyline that comes out as well? And and the Blue Jackets are another team that play very defensively as well and have a coach that has made a couple cup final appearances in Tortorella. So is coaching going to become a huge factor in this? And Or is it no because it's only a five-game series? I think that's going to be an int- a really interesting storyline too. Yeah, and that's the you know the 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 downfall with this imperfect system is that you know who what teams who who's going to leave camp right what teams are going to be prepared mentally and physically what teams are going to come out firing what teams are going to have you know the Stamkos come back and healthy the Crosby off of three months break and and without a phantom injury and and the Henrik Lundqvist gearing up for <laughs> for a nice little run and you know it's it's you know Patrick Line had the had the contract dispute at the beginning of the year and and really was starting to turn on it by the end of the year um, you know where are we going from here uh, the the Blues were still riding the magic from last year has that died they're not going to have the momentum uh, you know Colorado had the young legs but now everyone's got young legs you know. Wh- what's going to be the advantage and and i guess the only advantage is that everyone's starting the year off fresh everyone has the it's it's talent versus talent right it's it's not like years past where it's oh we had the best team but we had one injury which ruined our season now it's okay we've had three months off this is we're good to go um you know let's let's come out of the gate hot so it, it comes down to coaching it comes down to trainers it comes down to the players if they've been working out during their time off or not, right? How has their off-season workouts been? Yeah, not so everybody that's... can have the the sweet garage gym like Kevin Hayes. <laughs> yeah, with how much money he signed for, sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, to me, the first initial reaction is, like I said through the podcast, I loved it. Love it. We have some some sort of semblance from any of the commissioners. Happens to be my personal favorite type of playoffs, the NHL playoffs, but. Um, then it turns into selfishly looking at the team that I like the Bruins sort of being, I don't want to say screwed, but at a disadvantage because they're not necessarily playing as meaningful of a game or as I don't want to call it desperate, but when you're in a, when you're in a series where you only have five games to, to beat the other team or seven games, to beat the other team and you have to win now um, scenario, the games mean a little more than, than that quote unquote, let's play in for seeds we know we're safe. Uh, you know, let's just play in for, for seeds and, and try and get a two or a three seed or a top seed. Or like you said, the gamesmanship of, Oh, I know that, that, that Montreal beat Pittsburgh. And I know that, that I want to be the four seed so I can play Montreal in the first round versus being a one seed and having to play again, Toronto or Columbus. Yeah. I wonder if they'll do something like maybe they have games on the scheduled game day and they, the round Robin teams go first, but the first one that matters is game day is like the same game day as game three of the, the play in rounds. So like maybe the Bruins and the flyers play scrimmages or they do inner squad type of things or, or something like that. So that there isn't, so there is like there, they get the same amount of game speed time, um, as the, as those other teams might get, because I'm sure that's something. I mean, like, I don't want to say like the NHL wants to wants to force the the top teams there. I don't want to think they're like rigging anything, but 
there's something there that when Tampa Bay last year has this incredible season and gets swept out, there's something to that because Columbus had that incredible comeback in game one. Then they end up playing three great games, including that last one to really you know, hit the nail on the head. But in this case, like it's something where if God forbid the Bruins kind of just come out flat and I don't, and I'm just throwing this out as possibility, Greg, so don't get offended. Go <laughs> 0 six. If they yeah. decide to do a five game series in the first round, I feel like that, Gary Bettman's going to be looking at things and saying, like, well, why aren't our top teams getting in? How can we fix this? Do we need to make some sort of incentive to teams at the end of the season? Like, you know, making it better, something better about winning your division or or whatever it happens to be. Why are they then coming into the playoffs so cold? So, like, I I don't think they want to see that sort of thing is my point. Or same thing with the Blues. If the Blues go 0-6, the defending Stanley Cup team ends up going out completely without any sort of whimper or any sort of bite, I don't think the NHL wants to see that. So I feel like they're going to try their best to get those teams ready and have their sea legs under them. Yeah, I, th- I think, though, it's it's like last year for Tampa, for example, you know, they're they're not playing necessarily win-at-all-cost games sure. at, at the end of the season. You know, the last 10 games, they had enough of a lead where they could go 500 and coast and, and have guys take nights off. Versus, yeah, right. But versus Columbus, who, guess what? Columbus was playing meaningful hockey and win at all cost hockey for the last month. You're in a mindset where you're playing aggressive, you're physical, you're you're almost playing playoff hockey at the end of the regular season because your season depends on it. That I think is a bigger factor than anything else. That's a good point. Which again, and it's the same factor that I'm talking about now is. These top four teams, they know if they lose, they're not going home. So, yeah, you can make it as incentivized as you want. But guess what? If I'm a top four team and I'm playing in this seating, this this round-robin seating, I know I'm not going home at the end of it. I know I still have more hockey to play next week when when ra- season round one or whatever it is starts. So, to me, it, it's hard to replicate in any type of game scenario unless – it's hard to replicate any type of game scenario where it's win or go home. Sure. Unless you're in a win or go home scenario situation. So no matter what mentally it's on the coaches, but mentally it's just you're, I don't want to say disadvantage, but you're definitely at some sort of, you know, disadvantage, but you're definitely at some sort of, I don't know, crutch or, or, or whatever. Um, by, by not playing in a win-at-all-cost type scenario, especially in a league where where they thrive on parity. They want different teams every year. They don't want they don't want dynasties. They don't want teams winning year in and year out. They want parity. They want this and that. And, and like, the March, March Madness basketball works in terms of the play-in games and a one versus 16 seed and two 16 teams. 16 seeds play each other and, and have to, you know – it works because the number one seed is so much more talented and on their worst day, they would still and and have, and they would still beat the 16 seed. Except so for one time. Yeah. Except for that one time with the school, we're not going to mention, which I'm sure many people know whom it is. However, are you talking about the team that lost or the team that won? Jordy, you like them both. That, are you talking about the two? Ver- that's a two versus a 15. Uh, and I don't like the two anymore. That stopped liking them in high school. 
the, the one time that it happened was Virginia, which I thought which would run to be oh, understandable yeah, recently. at ACC. Recently. And I was, I was about to say, if you don't like UMBC, what do they ever do to you? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I guess my point is that, like, the NHL, again, a 12, even the Canadians, who all year have been miserable, brutal, let's say they beat Pittsburgh, and then they're playing the, the number one seed of the Bruins who haven't played a meaningful hockey game. That first game, that first period, the Canadians are going to are gonna bring it to the Bruins. Granted, in the end, talent, you would hope talent will win out and the Bruins will correct itself. But let's say it's let's say it's Toronto. Let's say Toronto's the lowest seed and they're playing the Bruins. The Maple Leafs have just as much talent as the Bruins, so there's no reason as to why if the Maple Leafs are all over the Bruins in the first period, there goes some confidence shaking. They, the, the Maple Leafs have the talent to keep up that barrage. There goes game one. There goes game two. Now the Bruins are in an 0-2 hole in a in a whatever best of five or seven series, and that's just me playing out worst case scenario scenarios. But there is, in my opinion, that's the only fear and negativity. Uh, and like you said, why a top seeded team may not uh, or does not perform year in and year out in the NHL. Yeah, that's a good point. Um... So what else should we try to figure out with this current format? Do you want to, I mean, I feel like, I feel like it's better if they do best of seven for the first and second round. So again, when the team, the round robin teams are finally playing and then the next, the round after that, but I feel like it's it because time's not on our side, they'll probably end up doing at the very least the first round of best of five, if not both rounds of best of five. Do you think I'm wrong on that thought? I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's all about time. I think, it's a matter of when this season starts and or when the playoffs start versus when next season begins. Yeah. On that note, I know the it's almost a surefire that the NBA, whenever they finish their season, and again, they have not come out with anything, as you've pointed out, they really like the idea of trying to avoid football. Do you think that Christmas Day and around there, or even New Year's Day, you have the Winter Classic kick off the season? Do you think that's how likely do you think that is? And do you think that going forward that that's a possibility for not just the 2021 year, but 2022 and going going beyond that? No, I don't think it's a possibility going beyond it. Uh, I think it might be a possibility for this coming year because so recently they did it in the lockout year. Sure. So you'd rather and, see them just do a 48-game season, regular playoffs, and get back to normal starting in the fall of 2021? Ideal world, yeah, because you get the full 82-game season. You get it spaced out over X yeah. amount of months. Granted, if you're trying to play hockey now, you know, then heat and all these outside, outside factors become a real issue. Sure. Which is a whole separate podcast for a whole separate time. But um, I don't... I don't like the idea of starting the season January one and finishing within that year and having playoffs be August and, and September and, and Stanley cup in the beginning of the NFL season. I think at some point, maybe not soon, but realistically with all the information out there, you know, the NFL is, is sort of going down and, and I don't, you know, yeah, I, I, I see think, what you're getting after. I don't think you. I don't think you need to. I don't think you need to to focus on such a short term solution. I think, yeah, for twenty for the next season, in, in 
if they're able to start this these games, let's say July, and let's say they finish September, and then you roll into preseason October, and the month is the season's delayed by a month or two, and then next, and then the playoffs finish a month or two later next year. If that makes sense. Yeah, like that, they did in 2013, because it that that playoffs when they I don't want to I don't want to bring back bad memories, but that playoffs ended like a, a week before the Fourth of July. Right. So I think that's more of a realistic. Uh, I don't know. Opportunity. I think that's more of a realistic plan. Is is let's say let's say we don't start this until July first, hypothetically. Then you're talking about two months, maybe three to finish here in September. And then you take a month off and then you're starting preseason October, November, and then the regular season is November, December. And then you're finishing, you, know, you, you make up the months on the other end. Yeah, and then yeah. by 2022 or whatever, 21, 21, 22 season, because next year will be 2021 season by 21, 22 season, you're back to normal. No, I like that. And I think that kind of brings in that question I was alluding to that was asked by, my good friend Joe Martinez, who you'll you've not met but you'll meet, uh, who's a Rangers fan, um, and he asks, and I think this this kind of builds off of it: Will the hockey playoffs now get the basic ca- cable coverage they deserve? And the second part of it: Will Boomer Esiason now be able to talk hockey for more than a minute on WFAN slash CBS Sports Radio? <laughs> I mean, the Boomer question. I can't imagine how any sports talk radio is talking about anything but the NHL right now, because the, the NHL is the only one that has the plan in place. Right. So there's zero reason why they shouldn't like, why are you talking about the NFL? And you could potentially talk about college campuses opening up for football players in July, but realistically the NHL is the only professional sports team that has any type of plan on paper or announced out loud by their commissioner. So this has to be the number one story. And the one thing talked about, uh, on radio stations, and then, in my opinion, and then in terms of television, unfortunately not because NBC. Although they'll get NBC, but NBC has the rights, and NBC they'll has put more games the, on the Golf Channel. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what, 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 I was gonna say, what else is NBC known besides NBC uh, Sports, NBC, and then NBC USA? Remember, there's games Golf. on there on C-SPAN. I think they did that yeah. one year. Yeah, so I mean. I think it goes back to will these games be all in one area, Jordy, or will they be spread out? Because if they're in the one area, they have no like they they can't play two games simultaneously. But well, my uh, follow up question is this, and this is the it's the perfect question for you. So NBC is covering the lacrosse super tournament or whatever that whatever they're calling it. Yeah, that two weeks. Is this going to be the greatest? If they start it right around the same time, is this like the greatest time for Greg? <laughs> like, is it is it? Like buy Greg's stock now, hoping that happens and sell it August first. Yeah. Plus, I mean, it's like NBC now is the you can call it the home for sports because they have everything. You know, they have the two things that have actually put a plan on a pen a plan on paper. Both the major league or the the PLL and and now the NHL have both put plans on paper, and they're the only sports that have done that. So. The Women's NBC. Soccer League put in something today, Greg. They have a, this is similar to the PLL. It's a Challenge Cup. You did you did put that out there, but are they do they have a TV deal? Uh, they do. The the 
I'm going to screw up the acronym, but the Women's Soccer League, I think it's the NWSL, do, they have a TV deal with Lifetime. And they've oh. had one for the last couple of years. Yeah, I was at a bar and Lifetime was on, and I asked why, and it was because a women's soccer game was on, a women's professional oh. game. I'm sorry f- to those athletes, and I'm sorry to fans of those sports. Egg on my face for not realizing yeah. that earlier. However, I still think the uh, NBC is at a huge season is back. NBC is at a huge advantage over, over the others, uh, the other major networks, not lifetime uh, in my opinion, because they have these two sports that well, well may not be as popular as the NBA are very much so uh, to their fan bases. And I think the reason why the NBA is so popular is because they have a deal with ESPN and, and ESPN promotes them versus and obviously, obviously, also it's easier to play. But I mean, it'd be really easy if NBC just reported every time Connor McDavid took a dump. Like, uh, yeah, that's my dump. point. That like, <laughs> that's my point is that whatever sport, whatever sport. I mean, they ha- and uh, I'm just ESPN had to do. That's what I always say about LeBron on ESPN. <laughs> well, it's true. You're not wrong. I mean, it's so true. Again, it's he tweeted out about about the the devastating thing today, and it was the headline news on on ESPN, and it's like. You know, you're not wrong. Is my point, but the point, the the larger issue, the larger thing I'm saying is that they, if ESPN had invested in hockey or lacrosse, then yeah, they would they can call themselves leader in sports. But right now, I think we have to give it to NBC because they had the golf thing, and now, now this. Uh, we can circle back to the golf thing in a second because I, you and I were talking about it a little bit during it, but I want to I want to get this on the podcast. Uh, I just want to clarify. That I was not meaning to talk about LeBron's uh, political, him being political of him taking a dump. I did not want that to be misconstrued as political. Um, that's just what I joke around about. How Brian Windhorst reports on every little thing LeBron does. Um, I mean that guy. That guy has a career because he was a because of LeBron. He like well, stalked he, LeBron. Well, he yeah, he was a quote unquote beat writer in, in Cleveland, and all of a sudden now is the same with one McMiniman. Guy they have two guys that cover LeBron. <laughs> But anyway, oh, I did not want that to get misconstrued that I was trying to downplay uh, some serious shit that's going on in the world outside of the coronavirus. Uh, but yeah, Greg, let's, I mean, is there anything else in the hockey world that you want to talk about before we, we I want to get your thoughts on the match? And we have another question? Do we have other um, questions? Oh, like yeah, we do one, have another read... question. Yeah, yeah, that's right, from my buddy Sean Tucker. Um, you only read one question. You're right. Yeah, yeah, we have the second one. Um, third and girl tried to give us a question. She could not come up with one. So we still need to work on her with, uh, with the hockey. We're getting her, getting her with golf. I took her out the other day. She's already asking when I can take her again. So we're working there, Greg, but (laughs) a buddy of mine, Sean Tucker lives up in the Pacific Northwest, big Seattle sports fan, very excited for them to get their expansion team wants to know, how do you think this major, majorly shortened season, uh, affects the evaluation process for the expansion draft for his somehow still nameless Seattle franchise. Well, first the Vegas golden Knights took forever to name themselves. And it wasn't until like right before the draft, right? It was, uh, it was like Christmas before the draft. Right. So I think that's the same timeline. Unfortunately we're looking at, but yeah, this would have been the perfect time. Well, there's nothing else going on. This would have been the perfect time for them to release something and, and get the buzz. Well, they were supposed to, and they postponed it because of everything going on. Ah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I would say, I don't think it hurts. I think 
I think realistically, like Vegas knew who they were taking to to some extent, uh, and they were making deals for a year and a half to two years before their actual draft. And I think Seattle is doing something similar. And realistically, it like less players are going to get hurt in theory now than before. Granted, you can make the argument with less um, prep time. There's more, you're more prone to injury with less, um, whatever, whatever they call that uh, training or whatever. Sure. More prone to injury. But I think if anything, you're at, you're at an advantage because it it allows teams to, okay, like let's take this kid uh, Hughes from from the Devils. He's our number one number one pick. We saw him in in seventy games this year, and and we're gonna see him in in let's call it sixty games next year. You know that he's good enough to to let's hold on to him for another year versus protecting him and let's say this kid turns out to be a huge bust and you would have seen that over two full seasons. You don't protect him in the draft. If that makes sure. sense. So if, any, if there's anything, it, it will help. It'll help more than it hurts. Cause people will be like, Oh, well let's take a flyer out on a younger player and let's release uh, a PK Subban, if you will. Yeah. And, and keep a flyer on, on Jack Hughes because potential for Hughes, even if he's a bust, maybe higher than, than a PK Subban. Um, so I think I'm looking this up very, now. PK Subban very much will be a, a guy drafted for that Seattle team. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he probably would be as well. Um, I'm just looking this up because I know this was a thing with the the 2017 expansion draft with the Vegas. Um, just on your huge point, that I'm pretty sure that players under I think it's 21. Are no, automatically yeah. ineligible. So I yeah, think that's, and so that, that's, exactly. I know that's the, the I know that the general point you're making. I just want to right. clarify that. And um, that's that's how the Bruins were able to save like so many of their young guys, like Pasta and, and some of the other young guys they have. But anyway, yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> oh yeah, you guys, you got some young guys. Uh, well, let's let's list them off. Catahat, uh, Travis Konechny. Oscar Lindblom when he gets when he gets back to to being healthy and and cancer free. I was gonna say he's got to be cancer free at this point, and, and yeah. there's another guy that can actually play now in the playoffs where he wouldn't be able to play before. Yeah, I know he was starting to skate, and he had had his last treatment. I think either right before or right after the uh, stay at home orders got issued. So I don't know if he'd be eligible to play, but maybe next year. Um, Joel Farabee, Philly Joel, um, Kevin BU. Hayes. They would who? Bu. That BU guy, Morgan Frost, who's been up and down between the the Flyers and the fans. Oh, one last question: What do you think they're going to do about expanded rosters? Speaking, uh, of, speaking of a guy like Morgan Frost, who'd been who was with the Flyers for a number of games and then went down back down to the Phantoms. So right now it's what four lines, six four six defensemen, two two goalies, and one extra player. Yeah, I think so. And then there's like the black aces that are called up and skating with the team and all that stuff. Yeah, but you can have as many guys as you want uh, in terms of black aces. I yeah. Think. I, I, well, I don't know as many, but I, I think it is a large number. Yeah, it's a fairly large number. I don't know. I think it's I think it's like baseball though. It's you have to change between rounds. Um, of who's active and not? Right. I. I mean, you have to. You have to have more just because of less. There's less build-up time, which again will lead to pulled hamstrings or random injuries. Not that NHL players wouldn't play through those, but 
uh, you know, I feel like you have to give them, let's say, two two more dressed skaters or one more dressed, two or more, one to two more dressed skaters than normal. Uh, and then let's say five bench or five uh, guys in the stands more than normal. I don't know. Yeah. So like how the black aces like run down to the locker room and get dressed after they win a series or win the Stanley cup and run onto the ice so they can celebrate with it. They're just already dressed is what you're thinking. Yeah. So, so like right now, like I said, there's one extra player skated yeah. that maybe there's two or three more. Yeah. That's, that's so a good maybe call. there's, maybe there's, there's five lines instead of four or, or eight, eight defense instead of six. Um, yeah. It's pro- know, it, there's probably, extra. it's probably going to be pretty lenient of, of activating players between games too. I would have to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, uh, that to me is is less of an issue than yeah than yeah it's just worth asking other things but it yeah, popped into my good, head when we were talking about point. young guys um but good yeah point. Craig let's I think we're done with the hockey stuff I want to hear your thoughts on the match with your boy TB12 now uh, as Samuel Jackson said an old person who moved down to Florida <laughs> what did you think of it all um I thought the match was good i i laughed um you know i thought it was fun to see some guys play um golf as poorly as as an average joe and i thought tiger looked amazing and that's the that's the biggest key and i thought tiger was on on the money the whole time uh i thought the the back nine i definitely i think i enjoyed more because the strategy of it yeah yeah the alternate shot right and that they said uh that's why tom brady didn't have a driver in his bag so he could have that driving iron so he'd get in the fairway the whole time so if you noticed he didn't hit a driver once the whole day because he didn't have in his bag because he he had a driving iron which would hit a straight shot into the into the green or into the fairway um and he specifically did that for the bet for the alternate shot so he could be in the fairway every time yeah did that's you know that i did not realize that so i uh we had, we made a seafood boil on sunday night so i was uh busy in the kitchen listening in the background it to it so i wasn't paying too much attention to the back nine yeah i watched the front nine pretty pretty intensely though and it was pretty incredible aside from the rain delaying the start and then uh affecting a little bit of it yeah, and I think Tiger was good, and he let some of his personality through. I don't think he fully – Tiger to me is like Belichick. Everyone behind closed doors says he's the funniest guy in the world, says he's, you know, Belichick, Tiger, I'm saying similar narratives. Um, funniest guy in the world, super intense, takes his job seriously, but if you take your job seriously and he'll he'll joke around and open up with you, and once you're in, you're in. You're Like, he's loyal to a fault. Belichick's the same way, but at the same time, on the field, anything to do with their specific craft, they're just killers. And I think Belichick and Tiger have that similar. Uh, again, not comparing them, but I think that 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 idea of one person to the media and one person behind closed doors, and I think we got to see some of that with you know Tiger being like, "Oh, Phil, do you want me to mark that with one of my USGA medals?" Or, "Oh, Phil, do you want me yeah. to, you know, which is the one that Phil hasn't won, right?" Yeah, the U.S. Open. Yeah, right. So then, and then he's like, "Oh, Phil, do you want me to, um, you know?" Or, or Phil was talking about something, and Tiger's like, "Yes, this is what I have to deal with every time I play with Phil." And and he was giving little jabs, and 
subtleties like that, which I thought yeah, was the, good. The trash fun. talk was incredible. Yeah. I think between the four players. And Justin and Thomas did a great job. And Justin Charles Thomas Barkley. Was fantastic. Charles Barkley, TNT needs to bring him on for the PGA in September because basketball is either going to be done or just finishing up and they can just sneak him right in. Uh, I think no, I think I think it only works in that celebrity scenario. You think I so? really do. Yeah, because he's a goofy f- funny guy and that whole idea between that whole day was a goofy funny relaxed thing. Okay. That's fair. right. Justin Thomas was joking around there. He was joking with with Tom Brady. Like if if Charles Barkley out there is like, you know, Xander Shoffley hits a three wood on a par 5 to the green and and he says, "Oh, someone teach me how to do that. And he says it every time. Yeah, that's a good PGA point. Yeah. Less and, is more in that case. You know, they're all serious. Yeah. And I think it works for that specific scenario. Um, hot take here. I think I liked the Ricky Fowler one more. You think so? The one the, the week before? Oh, it's tough because to me, it just felt more. There was something more on the line. Yeah. I don't want to say serious, but like there's something to be said about watching professional athletes do their thing. That's a good point. Right? Versus, like, if I wanted to see someone shank the ball in the woods like Tom Brady every other shot, I would just go play myself and watch my own round or or watch the Thunderblog videos of you playing or what have <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> but, no, you know what I mean? Like, yes, it was cool to see Tom and Peyton trash talk and, and Phil and Tiger trash talk. Yes, and that was awesome, and I enjoyed that aspect of it. But in terms of the actual golf itself. That's a good point. I think I, think I enjoyed the other one more. Um yeah, yeah, I think I think if I mean I don't think it's likely that they will because there's actual pro events that are scheduled to come back in a couple weeks. But um, if they decided to do something like this as a you know there's the wraparound schedule now, especially with how the FedEx Cup works. But if they figured out something of every Black Friday, like the original match, they decide to do you know a, an all pro one and then a pro am one Friday and Saturday. I think that might be the the future play for it and they get you wouldn't get football players but you could get baseball players or tennis players or or someone out there or you do a, a mixed pro-am or something like that or even a mixed pro event you do a, PG, a pga tour and an lpga tour pro playing together um i mean i think it, i think it worked because again it's it's tiger is the greatest and and phil is always the number two and sure brady is the greatest and peyton's always the number two you know it, it's sort of worked out in that way and and granted breeze might now overtake peyton as number two but that's sort of been the the narrative for their careers right is is sure phil would have won more if it wasn't for tiger and peyton would have won more if it wasn't for brady um so to me you know that was another point that i wanted to make was as as a brady loyalist and and i'm i like personally like tiger more than phil i wanted to see them paired up so versus it was we talked Phil about that. And, that would have been the yeah. most goober pairing of Phil and Peyton. <laughs> that would have been America's disdained team. Like so, for the Rory DJ versus Ricky and Matt Wolf one, um, the odds on that were partially because they were were rightfully favored, but Rory and DJ were almost minus two hundred, meaning you had to bet two hundred bucks to win a hundred. Um, the site I used did a promotion to lower those odds for me and got them a little closer to to one to one. But I mean, there there was probably like that team, and not a lot of people know who Matt, Matthew Wolf is outside of huge golf fans. So the name brand recognition, 
even just on, on four guys that are, like you mentioned, the, the top two guys for our generation of guys who grew up with them and, and as well as older people who, who have watched football for the last 20 years and have watched golf for the last 25 years, um, you know, the, the four biggest names in it. I think Tiger and, and Tom, regardless of the people who dislike Tom Brady, you know, they would have been like, well, these guys definitely would, would win because, you know, Phil's kind of a, has always been number two to, to Tiger and Peyton, for the most part, has been number two to Tom Brady. You know, always been a, number two to Tom Brady. Well, there's yes. been some statistically better years in there, but um, uh, Tom Brady had the statistically best year ever. I mean, 2013, Peyton Manning did did pretty well, and then won in the AFC Championship game. So there's there's a couple blips that that he's had some superior. Yeah, dominance. but Phil has also won a couple of majors. So realistically, but Tiger's always better, and and yeah, Peyton Manning may his team may have won. <laughs> But realistically, Tom Brady's always been better. Oh, Greg, I also wanted to ask, um, what's gotten you more more triggered, me sharing the Flyers clinched Instagram post, because you're starting to get triggered here, this made me think of it, or Mike Trout? So, realistically, the Mike Trout thing, because that is <laughs> still forever going to be, you know, people are so up that guy's whatever you want to say it is absurd for someone who's done nothing <laughs> nothing to 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 win himself any type of playoffs or anything and they created they created this war stat just to make him seem better than he actually is uh win a playoff series for me one time but the you retweeting from the show account of philadelphia specific thing one and two, the fact that the Flyers put it on their their specific page clinched as like a celebratory we clinched the playoffs in the NHL playoffs is complete bullshit because there's seven teams, seven teams that did not make the playoffs out of a 31 team league, and you're gonna sit here and and brag about quote unquote clinching a playoffs in a makeup season on a bullshit playoff season that is going to be remembered just because of the times and the fact that there's fucking 24 teams. So I have, in, I have a hot take on, on that and, whole and, thing. And, and you're going to put it and you're going to put it on your social media page. Like it's like you earned something and you did something and you, and you did. Oh, we clinched fuck out of here, please. I, I get it. NBC made them, but then the flyers themselves put it on their own account. At least the Bruins had enough sense to not do it. And, and, and some of these other teams, had a sense to be like, yeah, we it's twenty four team playoff. We didn't clinch shit. Okay, that's fair. And and the Pasternak thing, he he legit won that award. He him and Ovechkin are co Rocket Richard winners because they ended up with the most goals. I'm not disagreeing with you. So that is an actual thing. And to, yeah, the the Flyers playoffs. But again, seven teams total did not make the playoffs. Twenty four so- teams made the playoffs. So, my so I think it's not an accomplishment. It's not it's it's not an accomplishment to make the playoffs okay. this year. All right. Well, it's the you know we're we're in the upswing, but we've been in the dark ages of the Flyers. <laughs> but um, you don't need to tweet out clinched. You don't need to tweet out clinched like you like you just like like uh, they don't need to tweet out clinched like they just won something. Okay. We didn't win anything. We like you said we haven't played the in only three reason, months. The only reason why I shared it was to do the Are you ready for some hockey? In the Flyers PA announcer. Uh, uh, Nolan, what's his first name? Um, but in in his so, tone, 
That's the only so reason why I sent it out there. So specific to your specific little yeah, nook most of the, the people world. Follow the Thunder Blogger from here. I, most, can, not all. You have not the all passwords. Them. You have the passwords <laughs> to the Instagram account. You share some Boston shit. Not all of them. Not all of them. Not all of them are, are Philadelphia fans. You got. You just said you got a guy in Seattle. You got. You got guys everywhere. You, yeah, that's you, a good you got point. Guys all right, in Canada. You got guys in Canada. You got guys in Boston. You got guys. Guy in Florida, Canada everywhere. who is a Flyers fan. And Jake. I don't know if Jake's even listening to this episode. Oh, um, well, we don't need to. We don't need to be putting people's names out there. But the point is, you know, you got fans everywhere, Jordy. You're you're bigger than one area. Well, I appreciate that. All right, Craig. I've taken it to heart. I noticed, and I would now. never, I would never just take the password and, and willy nilly put a put things up out of nowhere for my own self interest. I did the World Series because it's the fucking World Series. How could you not? That's a good At point. Fenway, the best, the best park, arguably in baseball or in sports. There's, there's some. It's hard to beat baseball. I think that's a that's a take we can all agree on. It's hard to beat baseball stadiums in terms of all the stadiums in the the four major sports in North America. Yeah, especially Fenway, the the oldest and, and best. Um, it, but yeah, you were, saying, older? you were saying something. Um. What, what, oh yeah, on asterisks. Um. I my take on both this and the NBA is that people are going to be like, oh, this is the asterisk season, which I feel like of all the teams in the NHL specifically that they would do it to would be our two because everybody hates Boston and everybody hates Philly because we're all assholes. Um. <laughs> And you guys just win all the time. That's why they hate you. Your words, your words, not mine. No, well, <laughs> not my word. Everyone else, everyone's words. It's to, todo mundo, the whole world. Um, I mean, you didn't throw batteries at Santa. You're mixing up a lot of stories that we don't need to get into. <laughs> um, Triggered. Well, you're you're uh, propelling uh, this uh, reporting. Uh, you're propelling. Uh, God damn it! I opened uh, this can of words by triggering uh, you. Um, anyway, but I think, but I think. Anybody that says that, who would put an asterisk on it, is completely lying. Because if they win, they're not going to put an asterisk on it. And the way that I think about this is that there are shortened seasons. And granted, it's a little different that the 48-game season in 2013 that the Blackhawks won, that started late and that it did not stop. The only instance I could find of this was in, I think, 94, that they had a two-week strike in the, like... Around the with around the same number of games left, a little less. It was like with five games left in the regular season, they took two weeks off on a strike, resumed the season, finished the regular season, and had normal playoffs. Um, so, I, but my point being is that like nobody says LeBron only has two and a half rings or Kobe only had four and a half rings because or no, actually he didn't win a shortened season. Tim Duncan did, so Tim Duncan only had four four and a half rings. And again, I get it that those seasons started late; they didn't stop in the middle of it. But I just think five years from now we'll be like, oh yeah, remember that wacky, that wacky season? Not the Bruins, you know, the the Rask, you know, Tuka Rask has one and a half cups, or you know, Sidney Crosby only has three and a half cups. Which I think, building off of that point, that if the Oilers or the Penguins were to win it, that it would that any sort of asterisks would be completely swept under the rug because they're the two best, the two best players, and you can. If you want to debate that, fine. But the two most name brand names out there for hockey, especially if Connor McDavid wins his first cup, they'll be, oh, this is great for the NHL because our superstar finally won his first ring. Yeah, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head with the with the with the lockout X amount of years ago in the Blackhawks. Like we are forever going to remember who won 
the Stanley Cup in the lockout year. It's going it's the Blackhawks, but what do we say? They won, right? Yeah, we don't, don't say you it say was that they won, and, they won three cups in in six years. You don't say right. You oh, don't one diminish of them was a lockout. Exactly. You don't diminish it based on, and that's true for any team that wins. You know, regardless of the Bruins, Blackhawks, and you're not really triggering when you said you know bringing up a sore subject for thirteen. The Bruins, like the Blackhawks, were the best team that year. The, going into that play, uh, going to the Stanley Cup, borderline myself knew that the Bruins were not going to beat the Blackhawks. Um, but it takes a lot to to get you to admit that too. Yeah, I mean you're talking. Well, anyway, um, <clears throat> the point is that the this will all we're always going to remember who won this year who won this wacky wonky format if it happens knock on wood but if it actually happens we're always going to oh oh, the x team won in the covid year oh the blackhawks won the lockout year you know what i mean like it's not going to be it's it's not a lesser than championship because one in a specific year i think it's in my opinion i think it's it's still because you played 70 games 16 8 whatever it was you played 70 games as close to 82 as possible. And if anything, like I said, it's an advantage to some of these, like a Stamkos, and it's an advantage to some of these guys who were injured and have a chance to get healthy. Uh, it's an advantage to them versus a team like the Flyers who had a 10 game or, or nine game win, nine and 10, because they lost the last game, but nine, nine and one in the last 10 um, streak going. And, and if they kept that going, who knows how many games they would have won going into the playoffs and, what kind of momentum they would have rode through the whole, you know, first, whatever X amount of rounds. And from that point to anybody's game, but that idea that, you you know, you don't have that, that wave that you're running on, Uh, you know, like, like look at, look at the, the Rockies, the the Red Sox second world series in in this little um, 2000s millennium. Uh, um, Yeah. They they beat the Rockies. They lost one game after like September 12th. Yeah, exactly. And and you could say the same with, with the Blues last year. You know, the Rockies lost well, one game on September 12th until they got swept by the Red Sox. And that's sort of that that idea that, uh, you know, you can ride momentum and beat a team that's better than you just based on the fact that you're playing well, you're seeing the ball well, and you know what's happening. Well, going back to your point, the the it was a point that I think you made during that Red Sox ALCS because, remember, the Indians blew a 3-1 lead which is a, a theme to the Cleveland Indians. Um, <laughs> I've realized they did it twice. Um, but you, I think you made it of like, if it, whoever gets out of this is going to be in a better position because they were still playing and the Rockies had like a week off after they won the National League. Um, yes. So I think, which I mean, what, happened to the, what happened to the Bruins last year. Yeah, which, you know, circling back, you know, ends up being ends up being something huge. I mean, every team that swept did not win their next series. Yeah, so and that, that goes back to to what I what you and I were talking about this whole time about this 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 first four the round robin for the top four seats. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe maybe I was so pa- I didn't even put it together until you said it, but maybe I was so passionate because the it's scars are the scars are still there. You know, it's always the hurricane's fault, isn't it? Oh nine that uh, who was the dude? Joel Ward was that his name? The guy that was like trying to like cheap shot all the Bruins players, and the Hurricanes ended up winning. Yeah, I mean something like that. And then last year they they sweep them, and that's why the Bruins were so cold. They went to yeah. seven games. They won three of them. They had that big win in game three. Yeah, and then the Bruins like the Bruins played that dumbass inter-squad scrimmage, and Pasnak and or Martian apparently hurt his wrist, and Pasnak broke his finger, and it's a fucking shit show. Anyway, anyway, Greg, this was a lot of fun. <sighs> Jordy. 
thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm I'm so glad that all these listeners have gone soft because they had these short little one hour pods, with the exception of of that two hour one you did. But all these listeners have gone soft, uh, and I and I and I'm, I'm excited that they they get another they get another uh, test with with how how knowledgeable you and I are, or how great our podcast. Well, they get the one of the regular co-hosts. The normal yeah. co-hosts are you and Matt. You're the you know, you're the the regular guys. I've had Matt on once or no twice. We did a we did a free agency thing right after uh, quarantine started. Matt's been on twice. Matt may not have listened to a single episode during quarantine. You've at least listened to him. You give your feedback. So the the Greg Piatelli production is always there. Just your voice <laughs> hasn't been heard. However, Matty D, to be fair to him, probably doesn't listen regular times. No, he doesn't. He doesn't listen at all. Right. So realistically, you know, nothing's changed with Matty so, D. Give him some break. Uh, but you know, what I think you should do Jordy. Have you seen the Lance Armstrong 30 for 30 part one yet? No, I need to, I need to watch that in the tiger slam one that came out. Uh, the Lance Armstrong one way better than the MJ one. Really? You think it's better he, than, than the last dance? The last dance was great. Yeah. He actually goes into his fault, his faults and flaws from the jump. Whoa. From, from the word go, he talks about using and is very well. So I was he, thinking for, he, for the he next... admits he's using, he admits he's using, he's honest about using, I don't know how, to what extent, oh. if he's only giving 50% of the story, but he very much so, and Floyd Landis apparently is interviewed for one of them. Like he very oh. much so from the word go is, is in it. He's very open about it. Yeah. And it, from five minutes in, I'm not giving anything away, but five minutes in, it, it talks about how literally the entire sport of cycling, if you wanted to win or if you wanted to be a top guy, you had to be using in some way whoa okay yeah for so the next like, real sports i've thought about either that and i wasn't sure if we should do it parts one and part two like we did with the mj do that the tiger slam which uh matt marcus who's asked questions and he's uh, i've been over on his podcast since he started it he he's doing a recap of the tiger slam sometime this week um what's the name of that that's called that'll leave a mark so look that up it's great he's uh old colleague slash the it actually still is but i was the board op for him for Lehigh women's basketball games. It's a great podcast. Um, he, he and he and another guy from a formerly ESPN radio when I worked there, but now Fox sports radio are do are doing a recap of the tiger slam one. Uh, but I was thinking of those two or another one that I thought of that kind of ties into the last dance, but is hockey was the King's ransom, the OG 30 for 30, which is available on cable. Um, Dude, is- I've been trying to get you to, I've been trying to get you to do a, an OG 30 for 30. We did an OG 30 for 30 and you didn't have it. It was on our cable and not Boston cable. So blame Boston Comcast. No, you didn't do an OG 30 for 30. You did like season four. Yeah, that was on cable. I'm talking about season one, season two, the original, like like you're saying, King's Ransom, Gretzky's big trade. Well, as we mentioned during this podcast, Emily is not the biggest hockey fan. So maybe you need to come on and do it with us, Greg. Well, there's, there's just there's so many things on the, the first season. Anyway, the point is, back to the asterisk thing, because this is something I want to bring up with, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. with the Lance Armstrong and stuff. You know, do you diminish his six titles? Do you diminish Barry Bonds' home run record? Like, every, Seven with, uh, with Lance. Sorry. Every, not every, but most, mm, I don't know what the right way to say it is. The majority of players in Major League Baseball were using some sort of substance. Not Ken Griffey Jr., well, he was never caught, but anyway, 
right, majority, we, we don't, we're not majority, gonna go down the majority, the majority of people. I mean, he his hip gave out, his knee gave out. All these injuries that happened to him were were side effects of of taking steroids for X amount of years that everyone else who took them. This had. is a fucking take, and I'm not here for it. But finish your point. And you could also say the same about Tiger Woods. But whoa. I still love Tiger. Yeah, I still whoa, love Tiger. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Get still get away from Tiger. that take. Step away still from the Tiger. gun. Go I mean, to your original look, take. <laughs> look how skinny he is. Anyway. Um, Barry Bonds hit X amount of home runs and broke the record during a time when every single person was using drugs. And, and Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, you could say the same thing. Do you really – is it really worth putting an asterisk – like, I know there's a, a quote-unquote asterisk on it now on the ball, but realistically, when people talk about the home run record, they talk about Barry Bonds is 74 or 75, whatever 73. it is. Yeah, instead of the 61 is no longer the record, it's 73. So the big question is, is it really going to be an asterisk? Like, should we really consider it an asterisk? Even though he did it, he did it – he did it in a time when – let's say seven out of 10 people were, were using. So you, are you asking me about the steroid users? Or are you asking me about the championship? I'm talking about you, you said, is this season going to have an asterisk yeah. is, you know, and then I brought it back to, you to know, the stair. Okay. I get what you're saying. It, it, you know, it, is Barry Bonds record diminished because of, but if everyone else was using it, can you really take it away from him? Or, you know, Lance Armstrong, said that and, and all the other cyclists said drugs is huge in the cycling world can you really take away lance's wins because he was caught quote-unquote doping yeah i mean i need to see the lance armstrong documentary but it sounds like that's a really good point with barry bonds because you still have to hit the baseball and i get it there's a lot of stuff with the steroid using and it gets brought up even with pete rose and the gambling and all that sort of stuff whether or not he should finally get put into the hall of fame stuff with the Astros and whether or not they're, you know, it's going to be the 2019 Ast or the 2017 Asterixes versus the Astros. Cause people like to be punny. Um, yeah. I yeah, mean, the, you, the fact of the matter is no, I I'm not. And it's, it's like, it's like when you say nobody technically won in 2013. Cause, because fucking Louisville got that, uh, uh, not rescinded, got it vacated or Reggie Bo- or because Reggie Bush was getting paid that the he got his yeah. Heisman everyone knows everyone knows Reggie Bush won the Heisman yeah yeah he got his Heisman taken away and he won the Heisman uh so I mean I still he's still the home run champion he still had to hit it I get it he used steroids but Mark McGuire you mentioned it when he hit 70 he almost immediately it was turned out he was on steroids then Sammy Sosa not only took steroids then at the cork bat and you know had a weird end of his career Mark McGuire, though, looking at that, he was a hitting coach for a while. Barry Bonds was a hitting coach for a while. So, like, they're still respected within the sport. Yeah, and, and I guess the – yeah. Um, this is classic us, too. We're ending the show, and we've just gone completely down to different debate. Yeah, no, and, and, and I think I, – I mean, I guess we should be on different sizes. But I, I that, in my opinion, you know, it's hard. Like, Lance Armstrong was saying, because it's not steroids. It's like, you know, something where you – boost your red blood cells which helps you recover and helps you be able to like it's blood doping longer yeah yeah so it's not necessarily steroids but it's i guess cheating in some way um even we're not scientists yeah well yeah anyway uh that's good to know yeah so yeah so um i guess it to my opinion like 
I don't know. To me, the Barry Bonds, that's the record, that's the record because Sure. And granted, Pedro Martinez, the best pitcher of all time, uh proof that he never did steroids and was that dominant in the era where every single hitter, not every single hitter, but nine out of ten hitters were doing steroids gives even more validity to how good he was, right? And, and that so that all star game. Yeah. So yeah. I guess my point my point being that Barry Bonds was able to do that in a time when pitchers and all other hitters were on steroids, whatever. And then you get into now MLB is being accused of juicing baseballs and playoffs. So people hit home runs. So it's like, you know, can, are we supposed to throw away all stats now because of, because of all these potential things and, and sign stealing has been a thing of the game since the word go. And, well, and everyone's trying to get advantage. They just, the, the Astros just use some different way of doing it. You actually brought up a really good point that I think ties the back into asterisks whether with this year and granted, again, COVID and the COVID pause, however you want to consider it, and you know, there's there there have been pauses in the middle of seasons. You could even I mean, if you really wanted to stretch out pauses that much, you could say Olympic breaks are a reason to say that certain teams that's how they got their role because teams had to come out of the gate, but. Baseball has eras. They had the dead ball era. They had the live ball era, steroid era. You call this the juiced, the juiced ball era. Um, and, you know, some people do try to put those statistics and, and put things in the lens of context. And I think I think that's the thing is that in, that in the grand scheme of things, when context is taken away, that no one is going to care. Looking at this in 2025, 2030, when we have kids and they're, you know, they're debating each other about the Flyers and the Bruins. They're not going to say, oh, the, you know, the one cup doesn't matter because it was COVID. You know, I'm giving us both a, a positive scenario here, but they're not going to say that. They're just going to say, oh, it was in 2020. And they're not going to care because, you know, it's it's that many years removed. So, I don't know. We're, we're kind of circling the same drain here, but. I how, many, how many Stanley Cups have the Flyers won? They've won two. They are two and six in the Stanley Cup Finals. They won the first two they ever went to, and they've gone to six. Um, four in the 80s, one in the 90s, and then 10 years ago. Who'd they lose to? Uh, the 80s, they lost to the Oilers. No, 10 years ago. 10 years, 10 years ago, ago, the Blackhawks. It was the first Blackhawks one. Oh, yeah. Oh, was that the – no, no, that was the Rangers, the overtime goal? No, that was, no, that, that was – the Rangers never played the Blackhawks in the Finals. Um – the the Rangers did lose in overtime to the Kings, uh, but they they got smoked. They lost five one, or four one. The Flyers lost in Game Six in Philly on a Patrick Kane overtime goal. Yes, the one that was it was the Flyers. Yeah, so it, it snuck it snuck by Michael Layton and nobody knew except for Patrick Kane if it was in. Yeah, yeah, and he, goes, he goes flying it went, down it, the ice. Yeah, they, it went in cleanly. It went in cleanly, but no one knew. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, the one yeah. it went it went underneath yeah. the skate and and it went in as you mentioned it went in cleanly, but like no one could tell. Not even the ref who's standing over the puck could tell. Except yeah, Patrick, Patrick Kane, Kane was flying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I was talking about. They keep showing highlights of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I watched a 30-minute <laughs> video today or had it on the background while I was doing work. <laughs> you could have glossed over that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, it was it was all a right. fine series. You were, you were watching the 30-minute. 30, 30 oh, it's just, it was just great. It was all it was all great playoff goals, great video. Um, just got me pumped up today. Just have been – What year What what year was that that the, that the – it was ten Flyers years ago. Lost. It was two, it was two thousand ten. It was ten years ago. Wait, so that was that the year that the Flyers were down three zero and came back and beat the Bruins? It was indeed, because then the next year the Bruins swept them and won the Stanley Cup. 
They went to game. Didn't they go to game seven in every series except for against the Flyers when they swept them? <laughs> I think that's what happened. I mean, they were up three games to zero and then up three nothing in game seven. Uh, it was like the the ultimate fuck you comeback by the Flyers. And it, and to the the point of uh people coming back from injuries, Simone Gagne comes back in game four, scores the OT, and then ends up scoring the fourth goal to go up four three against the Brew Crew. Someone got hurt for the Bruins that year, and that like maybe it was Krejci. And he didn't. They won the first three games. Then Krejci got hurt, and they lost every game after that. I mean, if you want to talk about injuries through the 2010 playoffs, I think the Flyers have everybody beat. They used like five goalies. No, I was just. I was yeah, just. Yeah. No, 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 I know. I just wanted. I wasn't to throw saying. That I wasn't saying. I wasn't saying that's why the Flyers won. I was just. To our point, though, of like of saying like, oh well, there was this injury, and that's the only reason why you won. Like people, people could say that about fucking 2014 when the Rangers went to the final because Chris Kreider, remember he slid into Carey Price. <laughs> Chris Kreider, remember BC, that shit? That's why he's BC scum. Yeah, got paid <laughs> though. Rangers gave him some serious dough. Yeah, he was real good coming out of college, yeah. and, and he's like, yeah. Um, no, I'm excited. I'm honestly, Jordy, I'm excited. You know, you get you get. You get to see some talent and some young guys get that playoff experience, like you're saying, a team like Vancouver. But I mean, it's 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 a wonky year for sure, and and I'm a little nervous for our teams, if, if especially if it's there's no home home ice. Well, how would they do it with the hub cities? Is is I've, like we've kind of mentioned this a couple times. There's no way for them to do it unless they're like pumping in crowd noise that somehow got recorded from the Wells Fargo Center and TD Garden, like. Or like no, I think I think I think there's a way of like let's say there's, a, let's say it's a thirty thousand seat arena. Let's figure, let's say six feet away is every three seats. So let's what what's one third of thirty thousand? But, but if right? the Eastern so, Conference is all playing in Denver, they're not they're going to stuff in Avalanche fans. They're going to if they decided to do fans, which I don't think they would do, they would stuff in Avalanche. They're not going to fly out six thousand people from Philadelphia and Boston and sequester them for every three days. Like, oh yeah, the Flyers are playing. Come on, you're home today. No, like, my my point my my point being is let's my point is the the like you play in your regular stadium and only oh a the third baseball of the stadium, idea only a third of the stadium yeah. is full. You you can have like well, they've already said they're not doing that. They're just doing the hub cities. Oh, uh, Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the baseball plan, which I think is is a crazy person idea to try to do home stadiums. Yeah. They need it from a revenue standpoint, probably. Well, I, I don't, baseball could possibly do fans. Hockey definitely couldn't, nor could basketball. And also I, base baseball's fucked because of this whole player dispute. Thing. Yeah. That, yeah. This, the whole dispute is, is getting pretty out of control. It needs to be well, figured it's also, out. It's also like the owners are fucking nuts. Oh yeah. Why, why would, why would the players ever agree to that? Yeah, they, they, it's the give you they the players agreed to that prorated salary thing in March, and they they gave the owners a cookie, and the owners are just trying to steal the entire fucking cookie jar. Yeah, it's just uh, so dumb, and, and and everyone's getting outraged. I'm like, oh, you make like a hundred million dollars, blah, blah blah. But it's like for your day job, let's say you make fifty grand or or whatever it is. I'm gonna sit here and tell you. Guess what? You only get five. You only get ten percent of your salary, and you yes. have to do the exact same job for the exact same amount of time. So, no, you you're, you're a thousand percent. You're a thousand percent right. The precedent that it's setting is terrible for the players. 
Because then, well, what the fuck? Terrible ha- for every industry because pe- people they yeah. got to scale it to their own lives. Yeah, you can say a hundred million dollars, but scale it to your own lives. Like, they're they there's a reason why they get a hundred million dollars. There's a reason why Bryce Harper is one of the highest paid people on this planet because of his abilities. Yeah, how many people work. can Bryce Harper aside? How many people can actually hit a ninety mi- a ninety five mile an hour fastball or a curveball? Yeah. Again, Bryce Harper aside, to the non Philadelphia fans out there. Um, but how many people can can do that to hit a to you know hit a major league pitcher? Do you feel bad for Bryce Harper that the very first year he leaves Washington they win? I think so. So I've people have asked me this, and I can't in good conscience like have a year ago laughed on this podcast when the Islanders made it past the it made it into the second round and Jonathan Tavares and the Maple Leafs didn't. And be like, oh, this you know, it's so mean of them to spend the first twenty minutes of their championship saying, "Where's Bryce Harper?" Like, I can't, I can't think it's mean. I do think it's weird that you won your first championship ever, and you did spend it talking about the guy who left. But I don't think, like, I don't feel bad for Bryce Harper. He's getting paid thirty-three million dollars. He just had his first kid. He's yeah, very clearly like, happy with his life. But there's something to be said. Like now, there's this narrative that you're the reason why they didn't win. They all they had to do was get rid of you. Yeah, I, I guess so, but like, it's not like if you're trying to say the Phillies didn't make the playoffs last year because of Bryce Harper, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. Oh, did were you the one who tweeted out or retweeted that thing about uh, Gabe Kapler? That's another thing that. Which which part about it about how about him as a Phillies manager or about yeah the Phillies manager how like he has he had the two shittiest like scenarios and still almost got in the playoffs both years and. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, I did retweet that. Yeah, yeah, he 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 really he was really the scapegoat of of two. We've been saying that for two years. Yeah, he, really, he, some really shitty scenarios that we've been the front that office did, did jack shit last year, and he got completely blamed for it. Yeah, he's a great manager. We've been saying that for two years. He's kind of a crazy person, and I, I said that from the get go. But he he the front was, office, especially last year when they could have gone out and gotten Dallas Keuchel, they could have tried to get some dudes at the trade deadline. They really left him out to dry, and he tried his best. And it's not his fault David Robinson basically broke himself a week into the season. What's his fate? Pat Neshack refused to pitch out of the bullpen. Like, that's not that's not his fault. McCutcheon. Yeah, McC- all the shit with McCutcheon. Um, no, but I mean the, the point the point is that like yeah. you know Joe Madden's a weird guy. Terry Francona's a fucking weird guy. Yeah, yeah. Baseball manager, I think you need to be weird to be successful. Baseball in general. Yeah, that's that is a very good point. Can you hear these fucking fireworks that are going out, going out off outside my house? No, but you're in Philadelphia, so I, there's no guarantee it's actual fireworks. It could be like something more serious. Let's let's just assume it's fireworks. Um, <laughs> Shots fired at Philadelphia, literally and yeah, I was about to say quite literally. Uh, speaking of being punny. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right on baseball players needing to be weird. Fucking Madison Bumgarner goes dirt biking. Jabba Chamberlain needs to jump on his trampoline, and that's how he got hurt once. Um, there's a lot of stuff. Oh, there's a big boom. I hope that's a fucking <laughs> firework. Um, Greg, I no, feel I'm like... just... <laughs> what? I was going to say, maybe we should wrap it up, but make your point. Make your point. No, I, I, I mean, I think it's more of their personalities more than their activities because, you know, oh, shit, I heard that one. Yeah, you could hear that. Cool. That last one I heard. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's starting to get pretty loud out there. <laughs> I don't know if uh some people went over to New Jersey and got some uh 
was gonna say, did Santa Claus just show up? Like, is are they throwing things at him? What's going on? No, it might. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, Philadelphia announced today that that a lot of places are going yellow. Some places are gonna go green pretty shortly after that. Oh, you guys are doing legit colors. You, you yeah, I wasn't like, kidding around. It's it's phase, phase red, one, two, phase three. yellow, phase green. Uh, yeah, no numbers. Uh, it's not the Marvel cinema. Oh no, it is fireworks. I just heard the uh, you know, the ones that like fizz out. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's fire. We're we're safe here. We're okay. Hopefully, However, if you are still listening, I don't know what we can, how we can make, if we come up with a hashtag or some some sort of code, ooh, code we, word. We, we teased this before. If you made it this far in the podcast, tweet at Jordy or DM the account, and Jordy will put your handle up, or he'll he'll give you a free T-shirt. He'll send you a Thunderblog uh, koozie. Oh, we need to come cup. up with. We need to get some merch. That's a good idea. I got a koozie. I've got a koozie. That's from the he'll Thunder the... Cup, though. We got we had Nate's wife make that. My buddy Nate. For those that don't know the inside joke, um, he made it. She made, and we've tweeted, we've Instagrammed those out. Those are pretty sweet. I don't know if I could get her to make more, especially in the, in the time you, of I'll, COVID. I'll, you know what? I'll send you mine if you if you tweet out, and it can't be Emily, and you know it can't be, you know, because obviously she's listening. But you know, you'll get something. You'll get a free T-shirt from Jordy. How about that? I need to make T-shirts first. Um, maybe with another stimulus check. Maybe I can do that. Um, yeah, I, got, I got a wedding to save for, so I can't just be ordering T-shirts all left and right. Uh, as I mean, you pointed out, av- let's let's get an advertiser. Uh, we we had remember when I got the free entry into that DraftKings thing or daily yeah, fantasy you, thing. You and Maddie had an advertiser for uh, for like for a month. gambling. It was like for two months. Yeah. Oh, Schneckbook. You know, Schneckbook is fake, right? This is this is your prize, everybody, for listening this far. If you know the advertisement that Matt and I do, Schneckbook, it's just a joke that we made from our fantasy fo- our Lehigh Fantasy Football League, based on our friend Logan, who Greg knows, uh, saying that he that he had a a f- sports book, and I took it I took it to the next level of calling it Schneckbook, like checkbook. Nice. Yeah. I thought you said this guy actually called you and was going to give you like. You no, could, the, gave you... we talked about, we, for, it was two years ago, or two and a half years ago now, it's the end of 2000, oh, it was 2017, it was like two and a half years ago, um, I do this daily fantasy golf league that you pay a guy up front, and he creates a free daily fantasy contest every week, and you join, and he's done different points every year, and the last couple of years he settled on just doing it like the FedEx Cup, of you get certain points for finishing first, second, third, yada, yada, yada. Um, but it's awesome. And, and for one year he let me, he let me join for free and Matt. And I convinced him to let Matt join for free, which is a $200 value to the both of us. If we, if we advertised for the league and I think we got it, maybe one or two people on, I reached out to some friends and start and stuff like that to help fill this thing out. Um, and Matt, I joined and I still did well. Matt joined and like kept forgetting to set his lineup. <laughs> So he like he got in for free and then just like didn't do it. Yeah, damn, but damn. This is just, this is everybody's it, prize for listening for two hours. You get some real uh, some classic. That, seem, that seems like Maddie. stories. Yeah, again, when we say Matt, it doesn't normally listen to the podcast. We're not kidding around. It's become a running joke, but he actually doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> kind of so, weird. He's the normal co-host. So speaking of baseball, yeah, get this. David Ortiz's son is at IMG Academy. I think he's a freshman or sophomore there this year. Okay. And right now. He's in Florida, right? Yeah. 
not now, but whatever, he is doing training in BP with Manny Ramirez. Fun. Yeah, go to the Red Sox page. And Manny Ramirez, no dreads and short hair and white. The Red Sox bring him back? Is he like is he a part of the organization now? No, and I'm no. I think he just retired from baseball altogether like last year, I'm sure. I think wasn't he playing in like Japan until like yesterday? I'm gonna Google this. I'm pretty sure he's playing in Japan like a month ago. Uh, Mayor Ramirez <laughs> baseball reference. Um that's fun. Is that all the story is? Yeah, well they fill time while I pull this up. He's got white hair and and he's uh Oh so it's like old man Manny. Yeah, and he's training David Ortiz's son, who ironically enough, David Ortiz's son is not a feared lefty hitter, he's a righty hitter. Does he play so, in the field too? Is it like the complete opposite? I mean, he's a freshman or sophomore in high school, so you have to assume he's definitely playing uh, a position. And Ortiz will post out like the kid taking infield drills and stuff, so uh I don't know what maybe third? Maybe okay. for, I don't know. So so yeah. here's so here's the scoop. So Manny and baseball reference didn't help because it only has his professional like ma- like in the major league systems. because uh, he was with the Rays and then he got he got popped for PEDs. Um he got reinstated at the end of two thousand eleven. He tried to come back for the A's, but he never because he retired, he never served a suspension, so he still needed to do it. He never got called up after he um after he served his suspension, he was released in the middle of June of 2012. Then in 2013, he played in the Dominican Republic and play, and then was made it up to AAA at a certain point in 2013 for the Rangers. Uh, was with the Cubs system for a couple years. 2017, he played in Japan. So there it is. Uh, but it, he did not play there for like a couple years. He since 2018, he has not played. And as of April. Of this year, he intends to return to the Chinese Professional Baseball League, and he will be 48, or he might already be 48. But so t- you're telling me two years ago, three years ago, 2017. You said 2018. At, no, this is as of 2018. The Wikipedia page does not really uh, future 2018 to present is the header, and it just says as of April 2020. Well, 2008. Well, okay, so. 46 or 44 year old Manny, 45, 46 year old Manny Ramirez was playing professional baseball somewhere. Yeah. In 2017 when he was, uh, 45 (laughs) playing professional baseball. So wild. I didn't realize one of the Manny being Manny games was so that he, he could become a naturalized citizen of the United States. Uh, yeah. And that was during the, that was during the, the 2004 season. Yeah, when he, um, yeah, with the flags in his hair and all that. Yeah, um, I remember seeing that on Sports Center. I didn't realize like that was such a huge deal. Well, we talk about all the time that he like he, um, sorry, we talk about all the time how like he played left field like better than anyone else at Fenway because he Manny like, Ramirez played... left. Remember when he high fived a dude. <laughs> And then still gunned the guy out at second base trying to get a double. He Yeah, he high-fived a fan, but he also had the most outfield assists from, like, or during his time because he used to play left field with the monster so shallow, and he would – any ball that was 
hit over his head, he would play perfectly off the wall, off the monster, and everyone would try to go for two, and he would just pick it right off the wall, throw it a second, because it would be, like, such a shorter throw. Yeah, he just knew and, how to play it. Yeah, and he, and he like, a short throw, and he got so many people out because so many people try to stretch singles into doubles or doubles at a normal park but are just singles at Fenway. And he also like would catch so many balls or like, let's say a ball got between the shortstop and, and third baseman and the guy would try to go from second to home. He would just throw them out because he was so close already. Like he, he was so close. Uh, or the time when he, when he cut off Johnny Damon's throw from 20 yards away. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Cause Johnny Damon had a fucking dead arm. Yeah, and he and he was throwing it way off line, and Manny picked it off and threw, threw it in and got the guy out. He had an underrated arm, man. He he was pretty. He good, was yeah. he was a, he was a good outfielder. He just like he rolled around the outfield <laughs> like he was a fu- like it, it wasn't like a waddle, but he like you know what I'm talking about. He like yeah. fast walked at the ball. He was hysterical to see it. The best was when he it was after he gets traded to the Dodgers. He doesn't come out for the start of an inning. It's because he's in the clubhouse taking a dump. So everybody's like, uh-oh, is he already leaving the Dodgers? But no, he's, yeah, right? he's like, he's went into the fucking clubhouse. Well, they were up to Dude, that. Seriously, though, they were showing the, uh, they were showing one of the, I think it was 07. Uh, the, the local channel here is Nesson, the local sports channel, was showing the 07, like um, all the playoff games from 07. Yeah. Uh, and they're showing the game where versus the Angels, they the Angels had walked David Ortiz every single at bat to get to Manny the entire game, and then bottom of the ninth, or yeah, bottom of the ninth, or, to, or yeah, top of the bottom of the tenth, whatever extra innings, last inning of the game, and they walked Ortiz to put two men on to face Manny first pitch off of K Rod of uh oh yard over the monster and that's the one where he's like standing on home play with his arm straight up i remember there's one i don't know if it's that at bat or not but he had like a jose bautista like bat flip but he just threw it like 20 yards in the air uh i think that might have been against the indians it might have been off of cc frankly uh during the the aforementioned 3-1 comeback yeah yeah he uh he has some iconic moments i fucking Manny was my favorite player, man. He was a fun guy to watch. I mean, underrated for sure. I mean, Pedro, Pedro had to be Pedro and Manny, tough one, two favorite players. Would you, who'd you have? Ryan, fucking, what's his name? No, Chase Utley's my favorite baseball player. Ew, Chase Utley. Let me break kids' calves and knees. So it's funny you mentioned that. Ew! How dare you? Chase Utley, world world champions, world fucking champions. Okay. What a scum! What a scum with that. He played man. hard. He played what? Oh, people like uh, Pete Rose. Bad example. Uh, but yeah, ch- I played second base before I gained a couple pounds in high school and had to move over to third. Uh, you know, and I always like the story. Ryan, How- I liked Ryan Howard. I also Cole Hamels is probably is up there too. Uh, I was I always really liked Cole Hamels. Um, but yeah, it's funny you mentioned that for our wedding. We're going to do the table numbers. We're going to like, we have to figure out how to do this, but we're going to try to do some way of giving each table number, like a Jersey and, and, uh, you know, putting a player's name there. So like number nine would be Nick Foles. Uh, and then if we, and what I want to do is just like, instead of doing tables one through however many there are, I want to just have different numbers so we can include higher numbered players like Chase Utley with 26, and that's where I'm going to sit you guys, the uh, you know the two best men, 
you and Jake. Originally, I was going to put you, you mess with you and put you in Nick Foles, but I realized that unlike Tom Brady, who is still rattled by the Eagles, that you probably don't care about Nick Foles. You're like, oh, six rings. But Jake, Jake, <laughs> we can put at Chase Utley and really mess with them. No, I mean, I think to me, the Nick Foles thing, um, I don't know if this is being cut or not, but the Nick Foles thing. No, this is still in it. We're uh, we're still really going. Very much in it. I love the idea. First of all, first of all, I love the idea. Um, pretty funny and and very fitting of of your and your beautiful fiance, um, relationship and personalities, etc. The Nick Foles thing doesn't bother me because, realistically, Tom Brady threw for six hundred yards that game, and outplayed Nick Foles, but. The Patriots defense couldn't get one stop, and the Eagles defense could. Well, the, the and the mauling of of Gronkowski in the end zone, but well, the offensive line just couldn't stop the onslaught. Brandon Graham, I Eric mean, Barnett. You, you 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 can't say that you can't say the defensive line was an onslaught when Tom Brady threw for six hundred yards. Hey, they got in there when it mattered. I'm just saying you can't say there was an onslaught when. He was sacked once and threw for 600 yards. Kind of when it mattered. And then when he got thrown the ball to him, it went through his hands. Whereas Nick Foles has one of the most iconic plays in the franchise's history. Same exact play. So, so, so Same exact play. play. Tom Brady's went through his hands. That play would have meant more. Or, or if Tom Brady would... catches the ball, he's running fucking 40 yards to the end zone. Well, he would have been caught within five yards. But yeah, that's true. He's pretty slow. <laughs> if the Nick, if the Nick Fold thing like actually was like further in the game when the points were like, like if that was like the game-winning two-point conversion versus just it was some... a touchdown on fourth down at the end of the first half. That's my point. Like if it was later on in the game, it would be to me more iconic of a moment than just like. Uh, you know, a quarterback catching a ball for a touchdown. That's oh, what's shit. iconic about Manny, it. Manny batted over 300 in his career. Dude, he's unreal. Holy man. fuck. Wow. The, only reason, the only reason why he's not in the Hall of Fame is because he retired. No, because he retired three years ago from Major League Baseball. <laughs> no, his last Major League Baseball game was in 2011. So he's more than eligible for the Hall of Fame. Uh, no, because no, you just said that you just said that he was signed and, and he. He last like was in the system of a team in like 2014. Exactly. So it's like there's still. I'm pretty sure there's. I'm pretty like, sure a he's gap. been on the ballot. I'm looking this up. Um, anyway, he should be a Hall of Famer. It, yeah, the, I mean, five five hundred fifty home runs, batted three twelve, OPS of nearly a thousand. Um, let's find unreal. your favorite stat, Greg. Let's see. Uh, Manny Ramirez's WAR sixty nine point three. It's a nice number. Um, way ahead of fucking shithead Trout. He what is Trout's five? I'm not. Look, it's definitely way higher than five. Greg, stop being Seven. a hater. Um, it's a joke. Holy fuck! You mean two hundred million dollars? Whew, Manny. <laughs> not a big deal. Not a big deal. Um, I don't know what the the 162 win loss percentage. I don't know if that's his actual like the teams he was on with win loss percentage or if that's his. His um yeah, you gotta remember he uh he oh, Greg, that, Greg, those the Cleveland teams. Here's um here's a good one for you, Greg. That'd really piss you off. His defensive war is negative twenty one point seven. Yeah, I'm not buying it. 
Not buying it. It's a fake stat that they made up. <laughs> just like, just like how they changed QBR and and what, what was the old quarterback stat? It's quarterback rating, and then ESPN created total QBR to make it out of a hundred. Yeah, they created this bullshit thing like out of nowhere. Please. That's that's ESPN doing it though. They didn't make uh they didn't make up war. Yes, a thousand percent made up no, war. Just make it up just became it it didn't just become so, a stat or it didn't just become a stat or important three years ago when when war's been Trout, around for like ten years. Sabermetrics have been around for a while. When Trout wasn't getting the love, war war didn't become war, a stat because war Trout is older than Mike Trout in Major League Baseball. Please stop it. I guarantee you that it is. <laughs> So anyway, Manny Ramirez received 28% of the vote in the most recent Hall of Fame voting. It was his fourth time on the ballot, so he's still eligible. Um, He was up 5% from a year before. Todd Helton, Gary Sheffield, somehow Billy Wagner, all moved ahead of him. And Scott Rowland. Wow, good for Scott Rowland. All moved ahead of him in Hall of Fame voting. So uh, he's somewhere near there. Kurt Schilling was at 70%. The closest, other than Derek Jeter and Larry Walker, into getting into the Hall of Fame. All Schilling has to do is be like not saying anything. Yeah, he has to not say for anything. A year. He has to stop being a crazy person, and he's fine. He should have been in. He should have been in three years ago. And again, you're right. The reason why Manny's getting dinged is because of the fucking. He took the women. What was it? The woman for? Oh yeah, you're right. He took something. like some some like form of estrogen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why he got caught. I don't know. The point is that he uh, he should be in. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that are, like, right in there. Todd Heldon, Gary Sheffield. I don't know if Billy Wagner should get in, but, like, Roland maybe. Omar Vizquel, he's still – wow. Uh, that, I guess he's only been on three times. Barry Bonds is 60%. Clemens is at 61. Kurt Schilling mentioned at 70. There's a there's a list of guys that could get uh, could get their way I mean, up if, there. If Clemens gets in, Manny has to be in. Before. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Sosa and Pettit are, are towards the bottom of that list. Andrew Jones, who, uh, when he was good with the Braves, was really good. But the end of his career was kind of a kind of dicey with the Dodgers. Yeah, he's one of those players like uh, that Bernie Sanders guy. Uh. <laughs> Bernie Sanders? What? Bernie, uh, Bernie with the Yankees. Oh, Bernie Williams? Yeah, he's, he's one of those guys where the teams were good, so everyone thinks he's good. Andrew Jones is the same. Bernie Williams' playoff stats are unreal, and I part of this, I know this, down pat because my dad he was my dad's favorite player but uh his playoff numbers are incredible bernie williams's are yeah but can you really put some okay anyway um it's a whole body of things not just playoffs i understand that but you you throw that into consider do you not think that the is the bloody sock in the hall of fame kurt Schilling's bloody sock kurt Schilling should have been in the hall of fame three years ago that's what i'm saying though is the, uh, the bloody sock probably is somewhere either in the red Sox locker or somewhere yeah it's a piece of baseball is. history yeah uh, it is so in that and in, in that on that note that, that you can find shoeless joe jackson and other names of black Sox and pete rose for that matter you can find their names in the stat wing of the hall of fame when you walk through it like eddie seacott the guy who uh if you remember from the movie eight men out won 29 games and tries to get from kaminsky the bonus and kaminsky says well it's not 30 games so you don't get your bonus um, you can find his name there, Shulish Joe Jackson. So interesting shit when you go through the Hall of Fame. Uh, Eight Men Out, underrated. Great movie. Great movie. <laughs> uh, Who voted for Adam Dunn this past year? Or Raul Ibanez? Like, I liked Raul Ibanez, but why did he get a Hall of Fame vote? 
Sorry, I'm getting off this. We should wrap this thing up. This was a lot of fun. Jordy, I had a blast. And, uh, you know, I, um, I'm excited. I'm pumped. I can't wait for this thing to have a date on it so we can get into it and, and really get, uh, really get, dig our, dig our claws or teeth into something, something good. Uh, some live sports. that's not marbles or, or cornhole or, or, or NASCAR, which I personally am not into, but something real that I like. Did you hear that they're potentially talking about having the players all wear bubbles? Like full bubble shields? Yeah, full shields. That'd be uh, so be interesting. Can't get like spit on each other and stuff. So what? Like, do they have like vents or they put? How's that? How's that working? I mean, have you seen like a full? Sorry, have you seen a bubble? Like the like I've college the players wear? Yeah, I've seen the bubble, but they still have like a glass ca- or the plexiglass cage like towards the mouth. So like, if you're trying to avoid spit, like where are you? Yeah, well, it? I th- well, I think the idea is that those bubbles with the with the opening at the bottom would they work well enough? I don't think they're actually do it, but that's been one of the potential ideas thrown out there. Interesting. The last thing I'll say, not sports related, the space launch got pushed back today because uh, of rain or something. So was, I think it's being held Saturday, correct? Uh, I did not see when it got pushed back too, but I saw it got pushed back. Uh, pretty sure it's either Friday or Saturday. I'm pretty sure Saturday, but uh, I think people should watch it. I think it's a pretty interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, space is cool. Science First time cool. we've had people in space. What, in like, what close to like 10 years right more than that yeah yeah um so yeah that's some cool shit it's a good call greg 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 get, uh, getting after the real world uh thanks jordy and uh thanks for having me on this was awesome well obviously it's your your throne as the co-host uh glad to have you back it's been fun i have had fun and we'll continue to, to do these other podcasts with uh you know the real sports with emily Especially while there are no sports back, but even afterwards, we'll still continue to. Uh, uh, third and girl, third and girl Emily. People know her as Emily. They've 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 heard me call her that. Um, but yeah, we'll continue to do sports docs, sports movies. Which uh, Greg Emily's never seen the Mighty Ducks, so that might be one we need to all do together. Ooh, nice! I showed her Back to the Future for the first time last week, and thank God she liked it. Uh, yeah, that would have been a deal breaker. Yeah, also... that'd be pretty tough. Back to the Future is all on Netflix. I'm pretty sure Mighty Ducks is all on Netflix now, too. Isn't it, uh, Mighty Ducks is definitely on Disney+. Plus. I know that. Disney+, Plus. thank you. Yeah. And it was on HBO for a while. All eight Harry Potter movies are on HBO Max. Yeah, which just came out today. What do you think of that? Uh, I do like the Harry Potter movies. Uh, in From another podcast and following them um, through the networks of Bill Simmons, uh, I'll put it that way, I... Emily reread the books and I reread them via this podcast. Uh, so they reread them and gave me the high points and the literary references and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I realized some of the missing things in some of the movies specifically later on in the series where you wonder if they had taken the, the two part practice that they ended up doing with deathly hallows, would they have done that with half blood Prince and included more of the, um, Tom Riddle memories and, and stuff like that. So 
it's an interesting uh, like the movies are very entertaining and you have to take them in their own medium because there are some continuities that diverge on one another but it's uh yeah it's the only thing that frustrated me about the movies yeah you're right the the thing's missing but the thing that frustrated me the most frustrated me the most was and you turned me on to that other podcast so thank you but the thing that frustrated me the most was once christopher columbus stopped directing it they got so he did the first two yeah and they got real dark and i get they needed to because the series gets dark but like he at least uh included as much of the books or important emotional stuff that he could into the movie and i feel like versus the end like you're saying yeah that's kind of what they, i was getting they, at is that there's so much the, stuff later yeah they hit they, they hit the big events they didn't really do emotional stuff they just hit the big events and that was that yeah it's as opposed um, to like the emotional stuff yeah, yeah totally half-blood prince half-blood prince was one of my favorite if it's not. a great it might book be my favorite it might be it, that might be my favorite yeah. book but like i really like the book of of prisoner of azkaban but that's probably one of my favorite movies because it's so even though it's the first one without Christopher Columbus, it's just so well done. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's what that's what a lot of people are saying too. That that was their favorite movie, and it's tough because the fourth book, Goblet of Fire, was definitely one of the best books, and then such high expectations you wanted you wanted it to be good. Yeah, there's a. Well, that order the fiend. There's like just a lot of shit they didn't put in there. So uh, yeah. again, they're entertaining movies. And if you start going down this rabbit hole of like comparing and contrasting the two, you just have to enjoy them in, in different mediums. If you want to read, go read. If you want to just enjoy the movies, throw them on as a popcorn flick. Great, and you can do that. And oh, yeah, let's let get there and girl. Let's get there and girl to watch these. Uh... Oh, she probably will. Uh, she's... Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. Sorry. Yeah, we need to get her to watch Mighty Ducks. She's currently watching Grey's Anatomy on Netflix. Ooh, so, uh, nice. Which how that's not on Disney Plus? Maybe it is, but because uh, it was on ABC, um, it's weird. Because it, so HBO Max like owns Friends, which somehow isn't going to be on the NBC one. Peacock. I don't know how that all works. Um, maybe HBO bought it from Peacock and they're paying Peacock. Yeah, I don't know because there there's some stuff like CBS Television like sends out their shows to different networks. That's why like Scrubs went from NBC back to ABC because like ABC Television produced it but sold it to NBC or something like that. Um, so there's some weird shit. So it might be that kind of a scenario. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we're uh, we've covered a lot tonight, Craig. This is a good this is a good reacclimation for those that jumped on and are still listening. But those who jumped on for the say, last dance. Now we're at two and a half hours here. We might have set the record, <laughs> which I had thought you and I had previously set, and then Matt and I broke doing the NFL podcast. Yeah, the that NFL, was a long uh, one. NFL draft that was, one. That was a long one. But that got high reviews. A lot of people like the NFL draft, so I think uh, somehow people aren't turned off by my voice, so that's at least good. I, listen, I could listen to you describe food and talk all day long. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, phenomenon. Does Emily ever just have you sit there and like just talk to her? It doesn't matter what you say. Just she just wants to hear your voice. Uh, she likes to hear my voice, and she apparently could hear us at certain points of the podcast. Apparently, uh, there's certain points in our house that can be heard. This room can be heard pretty well from. Um, 
Sometimes, though, my stories get a little rambly, and I recognize that. I try not to do it on the podcast, but, you know, it still happens. Um, so, you know, there's some, some of that stuff going on in the household. You know, Jordy, at least uh, at least she likes listening to you. That's true. She does. And she lo- she uh, was one who also really liked the, the soccer podcast with Ryan White. Uh, we talked about that at the top, but I'm, I'm glad that went well because I thought that could – I got really nervous and I actually like said to Emily, I was like, I don't know if I should do this before I record, ended up recording it. Um, Cause I was like, I thought I was going to suck. And I just asked white a bunch of questions and it really worked out that way. Well, that's the whole point of it. That's what makes it great. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, Greg, thank you for, for hopping on. Thank you for taking, uh, you know, all this time out. We, uh, you know, had, had a nice chat pre-show. So we've uh, you know, had a good night together, even though we're, you know, uh, however many hours, four and a half, five hours from each other, being in Philly and Boston. So I always, always love getting to talk to you, buddy. I love talking to you too, and uh, you know, it's worth being. Uh, we don't have to go to the office anymore, so it's worth dragging tomorrow out of bed because we have a little extra time to sleep in. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, and I'm gonna uh, gonna go edit this thing, make sure I have uh, all my work done before tomorrow because I do have a little bit more work to get to bang out, but uh. Yeah, man. Dolphin? Tomorrow? Mm-hmm. No, I no. So our our work, uh, we get things done uh, in they call them sprints, two week periods. Uh, and today is the end of one, and and I got a lot of my work done uh, that I needed to accomplish. But there's something popped up right before we recorded, so I can knock this thing out and uh, you know, just put it in a good position for uh, for tomorrow morning for my coworkers who pick it up and then kind of move the ball from there. Because it's different steps down the uh, the virtual assembly line, if you will. And that's the insight on Jordy's uh, nine to five. Yeah, you know, the tech world. <laughs> it's good shit. <laughs> but anyway, Greg, love you, buddy, and I'll talk to you soon. Love you too. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Make sure to go subscribe to the podcast, uh, the bullpen cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Thunder BLG on Twitter. Thunderbox Sports on Instagram and the Bullpen Cart Podcast on Facebook. We alluded to it a couple times. Go be a part of the conversation, submit questions, all that good stuff. For my man, Greg Pitelli, I am the G-Man. We'll talk to you soon. Hopefully we get some more news about when this whole NHL playoffs are going to start. And let's go Flyers, baby. Go Bruins. <laughs> go Bruins. Oh, I'm glad we got it in. <laughs> go Bees. <laughs> <laughs>